What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Game Over Greggy Show. I am one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Hi, everyone. Hey, how are you? Good, Greg. How are you? I'm good. Fantastic. It's been a long day in L.A. It's been a great day in L.A. I agree. Every day in L.A. is a great day in L.A. You love L.A. You wish we could move here. I love this place, man. Are you kidding me? It's always hot, and that's it. <laughs> that's why you're not a member of Team Fat. You would that would be a, that would be a drawback for oh, anybody else. No, if we move down here, when we move down here, I'm going to stay optimistic mm. about this. When we move down here, we are all getting super in shape. Uh, nope, not nope, not even not, not even remotely. I've on been the board. here a while. I'm still not. Super. <laughs> I have a shape. It's just not in. You have the, the jelly bean shape. shape. Yeah, I'm a man. fan of that one. I use that a lot. Cool. Over there, the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. Go Isles. Go uh, Islanders. It's good to indeed. be. It's good to be here with you, Greg. It's good to be here with you, Colin. Thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. It's always my honor to have you sit on a podcast with me. Over here, the pure one, Tim Gettys. Let Tim host. And then across the table from us, we're this, are we? we're we're we're, are we? we're in his bat cave. We're in, Ke- we're in Kevin Smith's house. This is really weird. How are you doing, insane. Kevin Smith? How are you? I'm excellent. Oh, good. Um, so the good. producer slash seducer is that's tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it, it's one of those things. Like every once in a while, you have an idea. You hear somebody say something. You're like, has that been said before? And you run to the internet and do a quick Google search. Yeah, I, I doubt anyone's ever put that together. Yes. You should Google it. Good things come up. I'll tell you that much. Really? Oh, yeah. And is it's it all, all in relation man. to you? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes we had it going for a while where if you put Nick's name into Google, like the first autofill was cocaine. And I was like, oh. we're, we're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> no, so so it, was, it, was, it was cocaine, then scumbag, then producer slash seducer. Now, yes. thankfully, due to a marketing campaign of my own, it's just producer slash seducer. Mm, nice. okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening... Do the MP3, then nothing is the normal MP3. It's the Game Over Greggy shirt for shoot for show for you. If you're watching on YouTube, I've put up just an image. That's because we're in Kevin Smith's house. The top secret. They they uh, said, hey, can we set up cameras? And I was like, God, no. So uh, I, <laughs> you said, I'm you responsible said it very for that. sweetly, though. You were like, uh, can we not? Yeah, and then was, you blinked I, at me a couple times, and I was like, I can't say no to Kevin Smith's face. I have a doe-eyed me? way of, of passing that across. That kind of, but yeah, I was un, unfortunately, I was not prepared to, to no, say No, it doesn't matter. I'm just explaining for these YouTube kids at home. They're at home tapping the screen. Yeah, wondering why, why isn't it moving? moving. People yeah, talking. Exactly. What the these fuck? Kids. Is this old-timey this radio? This is garbage. I hate this crap. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, you're listening to Game Over Greggy Show. The idea is simple. Each and every week, four, sometimes five best friends gather around this table each bring a random topic of discussion for your amusement if you like that the show goes live on patreon.com slash kind of funny each and every friday as an mp3 and a video then if you don't want to give us any money we totally understand you can go to youtube.com slash kind of funny monday through thursday have it broken out topic by topic before we post the entire show for your amusement and by now it's january so it is definitely going to be on soundcloud and itunes and we can also lies have fun these together. are just lies that you're telling the no, world no, Tim. No, no, no it's happening it, guarantee it's, it promise I promise Kevin Smith. I wouldn't let him. Go. It sounds like you boys are branching out this year. See, now that's the thing, Kevin Smith. On the Game Over Greggy show, tradition dictates that the guest goes first. Mm. But we're putting this up with you. We're doing this crossover thing with you and your podcast series. We need to get to brass tacks and let you know. Break it to you because you're, you're one of the best friends. We came to tell you to your face. We all quit our jobs. How? Really? All, all four of us have left lucrative careers at IGN to go just do kind of funny things. What? Um, what now, of course, I always branch independent. I, I always, um, I always uh, applaud anyone who branches out and do something independently and whatnot instead of working for the quote-unquote man. And the man. Um, but, you know, in my experience, the man was never that bad at IGN. No, 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 no. We love yeah. IGN. Yeah. What happened? Why, why, why quit the jobs and to do the thing as opposed to doing them simultaneously? Sure. We had been doing them simultaneously for a while, and that was really starting to kill us. Really? Yeah. And so was... now you guys are like, I want to commit to the – I want to pot commit. Like, yeah. We're, we're teetering, and we want to teeter to the other side. 
guy. It's one of those things. It's you know the safe choice is obviously to stay with IGN and be there. I mean they've been great to us. I've been, I had been there eight years. Nick had been there nine. Colin had been there eight. Tim is a baby. He's almost only, five. Almost, almost five. five. Sorry. So you know Still, what I mean. That's in the, an internet lifetime. Right exactly. Oh, and that's the whole thing. They've been a face, and they've you know let me rise up to become one of their dominant personalities, and they've given me so much. But it, we started to feel like, all right, what's next for all of us, let alone just me? You know what I mean? And the success we've seen with making kind of funny and the, the fun we have creating that content, that was getting to the point where to continue to invest in that would start to detract from IGN. And it wouldn't be fair to them for everything they've done for us. Now, do you guys are, – are you ind- independently wealthy enough to walk away from – We will see. Kinda. <laughs> we're, we're seeing about that. We're, we're actually selling we're Tim's okay body. Place. Is that what? Yeah, it is? we're going to start selling. He doesn't know that yet. But we're going to start selling his body. How many people are married here? Anybody? Just him. You're Just the, me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Your wife was never like, "Don't do this." She went through phases. We'll talk. We'll say. Right. Uh, largely, she was terrified and is still in that phase. Scary. Yeah. yeah. But she, you know, it's one of those things where she sees us get super excited, right? And she hasn't seen that. And, and not again, not we're not knocking IGN. IGN is a great place to come into work every day. But after nine, I've been there nine years. Right. So after nine years at a place, um, you start to lose that sort of shimmer, you know. And she finally started seeing it again to me, mm-hmm. which is weird to say, and kind of just gave me the nod, like, do it, nice. try it, why not? No, all right. Well, What's the worst that can happen, right? You might. That is End a fucking life partner. Yeah. yeah she's and, awesome. Oh my god. If that's on the list, <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> sleeping outside this house, like I'm real I'm I'm kind of kind hearted, so I would never be like, get this fucking homeless person out of here. Particularly if I was just like that homeless person was once in my house recording a podcast the moment before that dude changed his life <laughs> and then went homeless. So let him fucking sleep there. Well, like, here's an extra Justice League blanket. Uh, <laughs> that is an excellent life partner. Somebody who's like, you know what? I could smell that you're not fucking happy where you are right now. And so if you got to make a move, make a move. The rest yeah. of you guys just have the freedom to make the move. Right? Well, yeah. Colin and I each have a girlfriend, and we live together in, in uh, next bedrooms that are next to each other. And then the third bedroom is our podcast studio and everything else we do there for filming. So both of our partners have been super, super supportive as well. Yeah, Cheryl, Cheryl, my girlfriend, has been been awesome about it. I mean, she, there's some trepidation, of course, but she always wants me to just do what makes me happy. And, totally. And, uh, it's but not that, but it's not to that, be fair, she, that, there's no, you know, at the end of the day, she could be like, well, that's your problem. Goodbye forever. Right. This guy, he's got, you know, in order for that to happen, they got to go to court and shit like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like, so it's, a girlfriend or somebody who's not like fucking, and I'm not putting down uh, somebody who's not married, but... The freedom of not being married is the freedom to be like, I support you in everything you do, but if this motherfucker blows their life up, I get out of here fast. Uh, absolutely. I mean, th- we can dodge the litigious nature of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's been great, and and you know we 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 owe a great deal to IGN. I mean, they gave us all of our opportunities. We'll never forget that. We'll never forget who paid our bills for many years and 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 allow us to rise to f list internet prominence. Right. Um, <laughs> but that, uh, you know, it it's is a good place. Right? We, <laughs> but we're really excited and and honored that a lot of our people uh, from IGN, you know, the listeners of Podcast Beyond, and all these things that we do are coming with us, and you know, and and are excited. I think. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. I mean, they're the whole reason. I mean, you know, the big movement for us and the change was when we launched the Patreon and when we when we, we rebranded as kind of funny and launched the Patreon three months ago. And the outpouring of support there was the one was we looked at each other like, huh, we could be Internet superstars if we try. Yeah, we, we believe that we will be Internet superstars when we hit 100,000. 100, I am subs. fucking shocked that kind of funny wasn't taken. Isn't that crazy? That is nuts. That is nuts to me. That's one of those things that like producer slash seducer, you're like, 
that's not taken already? You didn't steal that from like fucking Gallagher or something? Yeah. Like, I must have heard that. <laughs> and then you're like, no, I didn't hear that before at all. There is a woman in the suburbs of Chicago who has the kind of funny Twitter. Okay. And she doesn't, I'm not saying doesn't use it correctly. She's just not very active on the Twitter. She doesn't right. seem to get it. So when I had to follow this woman, then tweet her to follow me back, then try to, fi- to explain to her how to use DMs, then go into the DMs and be like, I'm launching this business. Is it possible for us to trade names? She's like, no, I like this. This is an inside joke between me and my friend. I'd like to keep it. I've had it for years. And just like, I totally get that. But wouldn't a better inside joke be the time four idiots on the internet offered you a few thousand dollars for your name? And she said, this sounds like a scam. Please stop talking to me. And I said, no, 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 no. It's not a scam. Please don't go. I'm like, you, I'm verified and you can look at me and like here's links to everything she's like i'll have to think about this and then she started publicly tweeting she's like is has anybody ever heard of someone coming through and trying to buy your twitter name and then she'd be like thank goodness my my bro is dating a lawyer and i'm like oh god (laughs) (laughs) oh my you became like the conversation for a week totally you were there bill cosby ebola isis (laughs) like that's what they talked about like i I mean what is that all the time bill cosby and ebola yeah you know what you know as long as you're making headlines you're doing it right is what i like to think so yeah i like to think every so often she sees something happen next like, oh, I could have had a few thousand dollars off these idiots. It was funny too because the, the the we had to buy the kind of funny URL. Right. But I think it was open on. Did we get it on YouTube? Like, yeah. just it was just open on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, yeah How yeah. much was the URL? Just out of curiosity, like thousand dollars. Yeah. That is not bad. They're, no, not at all. That's really. We would have paid bad. more for it. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. We, don't. <laughs> we, we, we they can't come now, right? Someone we have contracts. Like, it's all it. the same. We're not very good about renewals. So. Oh, okay. We're gonna stay on top of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. We have. And so the rebranding going from. Uh, game over Greggy the idea is like well it's not one person 100% that was the big thing and that's bold in and of itself too because that is like alright we've got a very we got something that works now we're stepping away and building yeah, something yeah. else but the time to do it is now when you've got more eyeballs and earballs than I guess you anticipated yeah like you've been able to take something fun at the job and turn it into a potential career it's within reach within grasp and you're like well fuck it if we if not now fucking when yeah that was the thing we talked about is we could have stuck in ben game over greggy and we could have blown up to two hundred thousand followers and then it gets really hard to Mm. all right now let's change it and then you have more people pissed off whereas this time we had this really core group like i always talk about it right like you know the number we have on youtube right now or right before we flip the switch on the fifth right those are the ride or die motherfuckers those are the kids who like they want to hear colin and i talk about video games and for the longest time we couldn't on on our youtube channel because we worked at ig and like that was the agreement right like no no you talk about video games here so give us that content we're like that makes sense right so the people who actually came to watch colin and i talk about ants or tim talk about the disney princesses he wants to fuck it's like there's a lot of them (laughs) you're you are the good kids thank you for sticking it out with us i mean wait how many princesses are there oh god there's there's plenty let me let me tell you about this kevin is there over 20 (laughs) is there are there over 20 princesses there's not 20 no not not officially and Corny. so of that list, you've narrowed. You're, you're like not all of them. Some Definitely not I, all of them. Give them the top majority. three. Top three. No, I'm more curious. And who doesn't make the list? Who at doesn't all? make the list? Who is Mulan. the Kevin Smith? What? Yeah. Why? Wait, how does Mulan I mean, not she make the list? Officially, is a princess, but oh, Mulan doesn't make the list. She was hot. She's no, and no, she no, fucking no. led an army, man. And she passed as a dude, so you get the strange going That's true. on. That's true. She puts you on the armor. You won me over. And suddenly, all right, all the princesses are on the list now just saying fair enough so then since i've foregone letting you go first the topic i want to bring to the table is you've struck out on your own before Mm. you have struck out period yeah well sure what what did you wish you knew when you went out on your own and you said goodbye 
steady jobs and things like paychecks and health insurance somebody else pays for and security. Um, I, you know, honestly, oh God, what have we done? There, there was only one thing. Like, I, I don't have regrets because, and you guys won't either, because the it was untenable to remain in the situation you were because your appetites and your aspirations have grown larger. And so now is the time, it's an entrepreneurial time in this business where people can make bold moves like what you're doing right now and actually make a career of it. Um, but the, uh, you know, for me, I kind of, I, the thing that I learned when I like left Weinstein company and Miramax, they were like, uh, the Weinstein brothers, Harvey and Bob were kind of my padrinos for like a long time or like 12 years running and shit. All my art was sponsored by them. So part of that was like, you got this sweet, overall deal to run your office and stuff just a big chunk of money that they're like here this is to run your office on it they didn't account for it you didn't have to sit there and be like this is where we spent sure. and stuff um shit like that went away and then right away you were like oh wow that was a lot of money to pay dopey bills like a staff and stuff like that so naturally i noticed things like that which is what you'll notice the pinch of uh, not a, the exact same situation, but oh sure. my god, we had paying jobs and now we don't. Blah, blah, blah. Comic Con was a lot cheaper person. when we expensed everything. Bingo, <laughs> bingo. But the thing that I saw—I mean, I, this isn't like a really practical piece of advice—but the thing that I saw in a, a years later after a move was, uh, wow, like so much of what I did leaned on where I was like as much. I was never like, I, ah, you know, fucking I'm everything in the wine season, nothing. No, I was always very appreciative of the fact that Harvey and Bob had kind of bought clerks and, and kept making movies with me and stuff. But then like simple things like getting into the Cannes film festival, just like you said, like um, to a degree of, you can't expense everything now yeah. at comic con getting into Cannes was a breeze when, you know, Harvey had the movies. And then when Harvey wasn't involved, you know, it's like, uh, did you guys get my email? <laughs> so there were definitely like, uh, things that I realized, ah, oh, shit, that was easier yeah. back then. But it was never like, man, I wish I fucking had that again. Or I wish I could change that in the present to look more like the past because that was a moment just like IGN was your moment brought you all together fucking introduced you and taught you what you dream about like the thing that you were going to change your life for worth going after for the rest of your fucking life from your job to a fucking career and so you know you'll always love the place and and with distance from it you'll be like oh wow so much of who I am and what we're doing has everything to do with that it's yeah. part of your DNA so it's not, I'm sorry, it's not practical advice where it's just like, yeah, that'll help, them, help help us make our business better. But it is something that, like, right now, what, human beings are all about survival. So right now, you're making a big move, and part of that survival is about moving forward as fast as you fucking can and not looking back. When you're safe about two years from now, three years from now, you get your feet on the ground, and you're not worried about building as much as maintaining then you'll be able to look back and be like, holy shit, that was the fucking glory year. That was the yeah. you know, glory days, fucking salad days, like the the halcyon moment when everything was, uh, not only did we all meet and we were all working, but somebody else was fucking paying the bills and shit <laughs> like that. But it's worth sacrificing because now you're captains of your own destiny. I mean, it's a very small thing and this is these are very first world kind of uh, issues. But like you talked about, like we want to be able to talk about podcasts or uh, video games, but you know, we had to do it exclusively there, blah, blah, blah. 
Now you have the freedom to do whatever the fuck you want. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games. Come subscribe. Exactly. And there'll be that aspect now all the time. The panhandling. The shilling. The, yeah. The, yeah. the shilling. shameless self-promotion. Thankfully, I got we're over that. that. Yeah. Okay, I, we're really good at that. Yeah. 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 And, have and we told it, you about kind of funny.com slash store? And at least you're doing it on your behalf. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. If, if you weren't already doing the panhandling for IGN, you you know you would eventually be, but sure. I'm sure you have to anyway. While yeah, we were. Well, I mean, it's not even you know you make so many. We make so much content at IGN, mm. right? So when Podcast Beyond goes up, I promote that, and Up at Noon goes up in this conversation, and then mm-hmm. don't forget to get your Beyond. T- like we're used to it, and our, and our audiences too, right? Because our audience, we always, I always say, if you're listening to the show, you're one of our best friends. You know me better than my mm. family does because we have conversations here that aren't just what's the weather like in Chicago. Absolutely Dad? fucking true. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it's like, so good. That's true. how this whole thing works, right? That we're all one giant community together, and they get that. That mm. you know, it's not like. We're sitting there counting millions of dollars. We're just like, oh, here's that T-shirt you always talk about in the comments you want to see, and that's how you get it. Here's the here. I mean, this is this may be a very uh, me specific thing, but it, you know, it, it may apply as well, and 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 maybe it doesn't apply because you now have kind of uh, branded into a, a group more than anything else. But there was a certain point where all I used to do was one thing for a living, like that was my job to make movies, my career, and it was awesome. Yeah, make movies. And then there, you know, I realized I got to do that, and and but there were other things I wanted to do too, like write comic books or fucking later on podcasts or stand on a stage and fucking do Q and A and shit like that. So as I started like branching out or or, or what do they call it, diversifying the portfolio, mm. so to speak, um, there was a bunch of things. It wasn't just one thing anymore. And then there was a certain moment. I don't know how else to describe it, but there was a certain moment where I realized, oh my god. Because of all these things, I am no longer just a director. Like sure. my job is to be Kevin Smith. And it's not a job, that's awesome. My yeah. career now is being Kevin Smith. However, a job is something you can end and walk away from and take a holiday from or quit as you guys just did. Once you become the business, that's it. Yeah. Fucking until you're in the grave or until you want to do something else. This is the li- this is the path you've chosen, and this is probably the best piece of advice I can always I can pass off because it helps me. Whenever I'm standing somewhere where I'm like, "Fuck, this is where I am right now," it, it always helps. And you know, it, you'd rather say it to yourself or some other motherfucker say it because they say it than you want to punch him. But <laughs> this is this is what you need to say. You wanted this, like. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens from this moment forward, you wanted this. So the highs, when you earn them, you're like, fuck, I wanted this and I was right. But the lows, sure. when you're like, Jesus Christ, uh, you, you know, you, that's what will give you strength. Like you wanted this and it'll take you back to the moment. It won't make you sit there and go like, I want to meet the dumb jackass who wanted this and fucking put my fucking dick in his mouth and tell him <laughs> stay at IGN. It'll just make, it'll make you even more uh, steely in your decision. Your resolve, you're like, right? Yeah, yeah my, your resolve is kind of more tightened because you're like, oh yeah, I remember now. Yeah. Like you won't bitch. It's a very first world temptation to complain. Um, even when we're making our dreams come true. It's a very American thing. But uh, at the same time, it's very uh, you can find strength and resolve just knowing that this is what you wanted. Good or bad, man. It's like, you know, there's many times over the course of the last few years where I'm like, fuck, how did I get here? And then I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I wanted. Yeah, you this wanted is the best. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that, that, I, this is it reminds me a couple of days ago we did Hot Pepper Gaming. We filmed it. Are you familiar with this? Where mm-hmm. you it, you review a video game, but you also review a habanero pepper at the same time. <laughs> so you eat the pepper, and then you have to try to get through this review, and then you score them all at the end. And I've done it before, and this time was way worse. And then Colin did it for the first time. Oh, and <laughs> the misery he was in at the end, and how good he was on camera, I immediately texted Tim and said. Colin just became a YouTuber. And it's because right. it's like before Colin has been a writer, an editor, you know, this podcast host. And I think now that we're making this jump, you see him embracing it the same way. So even though he hated his life right then and there, you know, he's yeah, going for be, the ride. Yeah, let me just tell you, Kevin, about Hot Pepper Game. You just don't do not do it. It sounds it, – it just sounds so fucking – I mean, it made me feel old the moment you explained it because I was just like, man, I'm 44, aren't I? Because I don't know anybody my age who's just like, let's Hot Pepper Game. Like, you know, most people are, <laughs> most it's a people are just content to be like, this is game, man. But yeah. there's someone out there, and it's always youth, that's just like, this needs an edge. You know yeah. what that edge is? We're going to combine eating a hot pepper with reviewing a game. You yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. just, <laughs> it seems very young. It's like, boy, you guys are multitasking like motherfuckers. It's a stroke. I mean, I, I said it like, I, I kid, of course, because I think it's a, a stroke of genius. It's that, brilliant. Um, but, oh my God, like a habanero and trying to. So is just, the idea that you eat it and then. You're trying to review before what? You take a drink or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you have can't like drink three the milk till you finish your review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't drink what? Milk. There's they have milk a cup of milk there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. can drink milk, and and it's why well, is milk neutralized? Yeah, though? milk, yeah, milk knocks works. out the heat. Yeah, 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 it actually works very well. Not really, not yeah. instantly, but I mean, it'll definitely lessen the pain you're in because oh you are in a lot of pain. So you eat it, right, is it cooked raw. Oh, raw. just a raw habanero, just right into it, just bite into it, and and for one bite. No, you take you eat the whole thing, and I didn't. I was looking this up on the Scoville chart or whatever of heat. A jalapeno is like 5,000 units, and a habanero is 300,000 units. I mean, isn't it one of those things that you could it could kill some people? Yeah, it said if you have stomach problems, not to do it. And luckily, <laughs> Colin is, has a million stomach problems. Yeah, I have, I, have, I have ulcers and like just bowel issues, and I, I definitely felt it. I uh, was definitely a little scared at, at moments. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're like, why am I doing this? But I, 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 we wanted to do it because it was, I think, what make our, our people laugh. Right. Um, but I couldn't believe Greg did it again because I was like, I'm never do like I, I'm never doing that again. But I'm glad that it was funny and that we got it on camera. That the, we were actually filming. I was afraid that maybe we didn't actually get it. Right. Something terrible would happen, like where I just went through all this pain and misery for, you know, <laughs> more than a day because it comes out the other end as well. True. Um, <laughs> Do you guys shoot that as well? Yeah, no, no, no. But I did text them. I did text them on a a group text saying uh, it's it's happening. Yeah, Yeah, I love that doing dumb things on camera is the future, and like I feel like it's not even the future anymore. It's been the last couple years. It is. You made it now. But it's it's the you know why it's the perfect measurement of uh, unit of time for wasting. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't. It's not a movie. Ninety minutes to two hours is a big fucking commitment. Now in a world where Everything has shrunk in terms of like we got a lot more things to pay attention to. The movie is a thing you do later, you know, yeah. or unless you do professional. Movies are an event. That's yeah. a thing. It it's really still a is. Date night. It's you're become doing a date something. night thing. Yeah. I will so say- if you're sitting around, you just want to waste some time. You want to look at some content. Half an hour sitcom might be a little too much, too, yeah. man. It, it's YouTube is the perfect choice because you can watch something. Fucking four minutes, you're like, oh my god, my my big. Uh, I, you know what? I got my topic coming up. Okay. Uh, we'll go to it, but I know you want to say something before. I was just going to launch into something. I look love, at you. Look I'm at you. Save it. I'm not, you might have a host. You have a hosting position in this podcast world sometimes. <laughs> you, can, you know what you do. You know how to transition. Look at you. Okay, yeah. Segway. But I, know, I, heard, I heard somebody wanting to No, say I was going to say this. You know, you mentioned, yeah, you are 
ultimately responsible for your own success or failure, right? Mm-hmm. Which is part of the reason of wanting to own your own thing, right? But I will say you are in part a little responsible, and here's why. About two years ago, you were at VidCon. Yes. And I heard you speak for the first time on a panel, and, you, and I'm paraphrasing. You said something to the extent of there is no barrier to entry to create and distribute your own art. Yeah. And that was a kind of an aha moment for me. Where I was like, I have been uh, kind of creating content or art, uh, however you want to call it, probably more on the content side in my case, for someone else because they had that distribution platform. And then it dawned on me, you know, if you just start some something small two years from now, it might be the thing that you can it's patience. Kind of move forward with. It just requires patience, diligence, yeah, a little bit of panhandling where, you know, subscribe, subscribe. Mm-hmm. But it's you get there and you'll get there with somebody else because yeah you know they've they've got more eyeballs on them at the moment but you're you're making the the choice to kind of branch at the right time you've built enough audience where you can like make a transition over here and then continue to build without having to like tell everybody we used to be this but now we're this um but more importantly man you're just like you know what like it's it's great working for ign but it's amazing working for ourselves. Right. And, you know, that's, that is this generation. It's an insanely entrepreneurial generation that is the free, you know, I read New York Times article last year. It said this is the first generation in, in America in maybe, um, shit, 100 years where people aren't trying to tell their kids, go to college, you know, get a college degree and then find a good job. Parents are starting to tell their kids, do what you love. Yeah. Like find out what you love and fucking try to get paid for it. Well, there's, I mean, I was talking about it when you meet somebody like, you know, well, the first time I met Aisha Tyler, like mm-hmm. we saw it in each other that we had that kindred connection of hustle. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we just go and do things and you do it and you make it happen. And it's the same thing when we'll try to get together for anything. Like we each have a million things going on. Right. We've talked about it on her show before. And it's just like, that's what it's about. And I think if you can see that in a, in a child, you know what I mean? I think about that all the time. Like, I, would, I would be drawing comics. And if I wasn't drawing comics, I was, you know, making stupid Saturday Night Live shows in the basement. They were terrible. But you know what I mean? Like my parents saw it and encouraged that and fostered that and gave me that. You know, you can do anything you put your mind to kind of thing. Wow, man. See, my parents, they weren't discouraging parents by any stretch of the imagination. But we didn't come from that world of like, yeah, that's cool. If you put your mind to it, you could do anything you want. Yeah. It was like, that looks fun, but, you know, make sure you get a be fucking a banker. job. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Banker. What yeah. the fuck? That was aiming high. It was like, <laughs> be a busboy, be a waiter. That yeah. was the big, like, I remember my parents were like, your brother has been a waiter for years and he's, you know, risen really, risen really high in the ranks at this one restaurant in town. So, like, that's what you should shoot for. Because right. we didn't have, like, a profession in our family. The old man worked at the post office canceling stamps. So he, he wasn't like, come here. Like, he was. <laughs> I love my life. Fuck yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, my God, kill yourself before you do this. <laughs> so, you know, they were just like, get a job. Like, yeah. there, was, there was no. And even, like, you, we're in a place now where you could tell a 15-year-old kid, take their fucking smartphone, go shoot a feature. And. There's a good chance that you may turn in she, that person, that girl, boy, may turn in something fucking amazing, actually winds up getting played and stuff. It's no longer um, a stretch of the imagination. That's what I tell everybody. You know what I mean? Like, people ask me how I got started. Mm-hmm. And the thing I always say is that in the fourth grade, there was an issue of Game Pro. And on the cover was Maximum Carnage. And on the inside was The Death and Return of Superman. And I read it cover to cover for an entire month. And it finally dawned on me somebody got paid to write all the words. Right. So I went into the kitchen. I'm like, Mom, I know what I'm going to do with my life. And she's like, what? I'm like, I'm going to write about video games. And I always say to her credit, she was like, okay, how are we going to make that happen? Oh, and like that set me on this path to go to journalism school and get this degree and come out and do all these different things. And now people, I'm like, you know, that's a dated thing. Now do it. 
be doing it right now. Be blogging. Be doing your own podcast. Make your own YouTube videos. It doesn't matter if nobody watches them or downloads them. You're getting good at it so that when you have your shot to swing the bat, you hit a home run. But let's see how it changes from generation to generation. I was born 70. What year were you born? 83. So you come from a generation of parents who are like, yeah, you could do this sort of thing. Whereas our parents were like, you know, get a job or yeah. go to college or something like that. <laughs> and like there was nobody in our world to like to point to or and it, this it, there was no examples of people. I could point to like a Richard Linklater. I'm like this guy made this movie in Austin, Texas and fucking, you know, it got picked up and it's playing in art houses. But that you were still speaking Martian. You know, this was still kind of a, a indie, indie film was more of a hobby medium to yeah. to a lot of people and stuff. So you couldn't find a lot of support because there wasn't a lot of understanding where we were. If I'd grown up in like Los Angeles or New York City or, you know, fucking Austin, Texas, then you've got like college communities and creative folks who are like, oh, yeah, making a feature, blah, blah, blah. But in our world where I was from, there was there, you didn't have that. There it's always important to have the like, examples. Yeah. yeah. And I, for me, that example was Richard Linklater. Yeah. Like him, Hal Hartley. Um, was another one he'd made mo- movies in Long Island. Uh, even Spike Lee, Spike Lee's flicks. Um, uh, those were the f- people who had kind of Jim Jarmusch made stuff that I'm like, all right, well, they they're not from Hollywood or this place. Yeah. They're doing their thing in their little corner of the world. Maybe I can kind of do that thing. And you see somebody do it, and then they inspire you. It's just like art, man. There's no real original art. All art is consumed other art, and then it's regurgitated with your own flavor, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, this is the shit I like. Blah, and it comes out. So, you know, now we live in a time where you can be like, fucking kids, chase your dream. Not, yeah. and, 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 you know, there's always work out there. Sometimes there's not. So err on the side of fucking, like, if you're going to fail, fail going after what makes you happy yeah that was the big thing for us right of like we you know for the longest time we looked at it in the inverse where we're like man like what what's everybody's number to quit what would we have to be bringing in to make sure we quit and we're like oh well, we're nowhere near that this can never happen right. blah, blah. and finally That's it was like tender trap and it but it was like you know the thing of like well wait we're making this much now or not doing the content we want to make where our audience wants so like let's not think of it in terms of like what we're making now but in what our you know high risk high reward mm-hmm. what could happen if we go out and make the stuff everybody wants it's the it's the smart play. I mean, you know, I I I got very fortunate right off the bat early in my career, um, and and was protected for a while, or, or my art was financed. I'm own Medici's, if you will, and then at a certain point, like I had to kind of go off and and fend for myself. And between the two, one era was easier. But one era is more satisfying. Mm-hmm. So I think the road that you've chosen may not be as easy as it is being comfortable at some place with you know with a steady paycheck. But my God, it's going to be fucking absolutely. Satisfying. Which is more fun though? Um, the one that you build, hands down. Just because somebody honestly, you know, the more resources you're given, chances are your art's not necessarily going to improve. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're making a fucking Marvel movie. <laughs> more money the you know then it looks good well then yeah no, then we're, we're, no our goal is a DC movie everybody get on, get on or the Invincible movie those are our two choices that would be amazing <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't know I, there's there's no hands down it's building your own thing is always more fun right and and because every day that it crystallizes and becomes more real you're like holy shit this is me doing my shit like, like you know I love comic book movies but I don't want to make somebody's comic book movie because as much as I love every one of those characters, like somebody else's shit, you know, somebody else created that character. That's somebody else's story. And 
there's a zillion people out there that love to fucking, they, they don't have a story in them. So they're like, fuck, give me a script. And you give them a script and they go off and make a comic book movie and stuff like that. Or sometimes they write it too. But generally speaking, there's a more than enough people out there to make those movies. So <clears throat> as much as like you love them, it's like, well, I don't necessarily want to do that. I want to do my fucking thing. Even though that thing is lucrative or whatever, this is the thing I build. Why would I want to make a, you know, a fucking Superman movie, a Batman movie, an Iron Man movie? Even though I love these characters and I love watching other people's versions of them, when I can make my own fucking movie, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, there's there's so many people out there to take care of those flicks and way more talented than me. So you know, there's there's more. It's more satisfying building your own thing. It may not be as popular. You may not meet reach as many people. But at the end of the day, you're like, fuck, it's mine. I can tell you one thing right now. I, speak, I think I speak for all your fans out there where I can say, if, even though it's not as popular, uh, it's been really fun watching you come back into the fray. <laughs> it really has. And like, what, you, have a, you have such a hardcore fan base out there that will support you in anything you want to do. And, you know, they're very, of that very, I have no doubt. They're very sweet, man. And, and it's, you know, it's the older I get, the more I'm sure it shrinks or dwindles or whatever. But. I've I've watched them kind of grow up with this. Our fan base, they have kids now. You know, yeah. they ask like, "Hey man, you're gonna sell any kid clothing?" I'm like, "Oh fuck, these people are fucking and having children. Like, <laughs> they're no longer just people who used to like write me from their fucking parents' homes. They have their own homes and shit. We've all kind of grown up together. And and time flies when you're fucking having a blast, as you'll see very quickly, as you've seen already. These fucking, as you listed the years that you've been working at IGN, I'm sure you don't sit there and be like, every one of them felt like a fucking decade. It went on forever. <laughs> totally. Time flies when you're enjoying yourself and shit like that, when you're doing what you want in life. If you would ask my old man, he would have said time went fucking slow because he hated working at the post office. Yeah. We all get to make pretend for a living and shit and chase that as our dream and try to make that dream a reality. So it'll the time will fly by even fucking quicker, man. That's the, the weird thing. It just goes very, very fast. And, you know, you look back because, like I said, we're, we're kind of programmed to move forward as quickly as possible. You you look back after a certain point and you realize, oh, shit, there's a long tail. You know, there that means there are a few people who will go see what like whatever we wind up making in the future and stuff like that because of everything that we've kind of done before. And not just like the movies, but like the podcast or the live appearances well, or fucking a cartoon. It's or the same thing. I mean, on a much larger scale that like we have, right? Like, everybody who listens and knows you is a fan. You yeah. know I mean, a friend. You know what I mean? That was always the thing of like, you know, uh, you know, when I fell in love with you and everything else it was Mallrats, right? Because like. We were I speaking had, the same language. I had never seen... And it's hard for Tim to believe because I know he's, he's the pure one. He's super young. But I, at this day and age, no one was talking about Superman on, on a silver screen. Right. Nobody was putting Stan Lee in a movie to see Wizard Magazine in a movie. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yes, this is something that's us. And then, you know, you're on, you're on was, the message boards. You're part of it. It's akin to, like, um, you know, fucking seeing gay porn as a child. <laughs> And getting a hard on and, and being like, oh my God, this is my world. People like, understand is, me. I got to go fucking tap under a stall in a bathroom. This is amazing. <laughs> it was. It spoke to very few people, but but that that group of people just didn't have a way to get in touch with each other yeah. yet. That was right as the internet was yep. fucking cranking up and stuff. So, like, now, like, it's a, you know... There's gay porn everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And everywhere you turn, there's somebody talking about Superman or fucking Stanley shows up in movies Yeah, I know, right? Stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that was just at a time where that didn't... 
quite exist. But I'll tell you, man, where that came from, like this is, I always kind of like to give credit where credit's due. Like Quentin Tarantino, of course, watching Reservoir Dogs and watching in the opening sequence where they talk about the Madonna song, like a yeah, virgin, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, amazing, because you're like, oh my God, they're talking about a fucking song. And this is, I know this is a bank heist movie, but they're talking about pop culture, blah, blah, blah. So I remember seeing that and being like, we're allowed to do this? Holy fuck. Then I, I, I'm going to talk about fucking other movies, because that's all me and my friends talk about. But referencing something, the magic of referencing something where an audience goes, <gasps> like, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, didn't. That didn't exist. Like now, it's everywhere. Sure. You know, it's its own fucking genre. Um, uh, I can't make a movie without referencing fucking other movies. It's my language. But I remember when I was a kid, man. It had to be nineteen. It's nineteen eighty-three. I'm watching um, Facts of Life. You know, the fucking girls' school. Yeah, show. the TV show. Yeah, Facts TV of show. Life. Facts. Yeah, Facts of Life. Yeah, good. Uh, when the world doesn't seem to be living up to your dreams. Solo? Come on. Oh, no, that's the part Nobody where you're talking that. about. Nobody knows that. That's the... That's life are all yes. about you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Game of a Great Show. Do you know officially. the middle of it? No, nobody does. Nobody does. It's like, like a way to heaven, man. We... There's a part where you're just like, and winding down the road. You just start filling in words. That, I like how it was just a standoff. We both cut off I, there like... I love how that's a second language for you, too. You can get anyone to sing with you up until a point. Yeah. Sing-alongs are fucking awesome, they are though, because they make you feel alive. So I was watching that show, man, 1983, and it's—I think it was an end. Either it was the last episode ever, which might be the case, or it was the season finale. But they were all going their separate ways, and you know, I watched the show every fucking week. We didn't have a lot of choices back then. It wasn't a bad show. I mean, no, I'm no. sure now, if, like you try to watch it, be like, holy fuck. <laughs> But we didn't hair have in that show. Mrs. Yeah. Garrett. Joe had some bad hair. It, it, it might not have aged that well, but like back then, there wasn't a shit ton to watch. And every week, watch that show. But this was the first week they did something blew my hair back, and that's considered that's saying a lot because I always had very special episodes and shit oh, yeah. you know, where someone got drunk. Joe's a drug addict. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or Joe's cousin has CP, and then you were like, "Oh my god, how are they going to make this work in a sitcom?" And they found a way to do it. This th- this particular episode, they talked about like we're all you know because they were leaving. They're like we're all going to see each other this summer when the new Star Wars movie comes out, and that wasn't normal. Like right. they didn't do that. It wasn't like you watch other shows and they talked about movies that were in a theater. Nobody was you know Saturday Night Live, of course, would do topical humor, sure. but like. Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days were set in the 50s, and they didn't even really reference fucking movies and stuff like that. And I remember watching that episode and be like, holy shit, like, I'm going to see that movie this summer. Like, I exist yeah, because yeah. they exist. We're in the same universe. Yes. <laughs> this is all canon. Yeah. Totally. And it was, it was thrilling. And so later on in life, you know, when I, when I watched Reservoir Dogs, and I'm like, oh man, you can like do a whole scene where you talk about a fucking song and just like it hasn't, it doesn't really move the plot forward, but it says a lot about the characters and stuff like that. So for me, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to do what me and my friends do. We don't, we didn't talk to each other in, in real language. We fucking used lines from raising Arizona to express ourselves yeah, yeah, to yeah. one another and the blues brothers and stuff. So my characters did the same kind of thing because of that. So mall rats is that movie that, it's very much the internet just before the internet existed. That's what I, whenever I think of that movie, I'm like, fuck Mallrats is like the internet come to life. Every line's a meme. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Harford, the whale. 
It was in Vancouver <laughs> once, maybe twice in a while. That's what I was going to say. It was formidable for me, too. Those were like clerks, mall rats chasing Amy, Dogma, and then even up to Jane, uh, Jane Silent Bob because my brother is 11 years older than me. And we always bonded over media, whether it was video games or movies or whatever. And I remember him coming home. He lived in Philadelphia, and I remember him coming home and being like, you have to see this movie, Mall Rats. Like, and I was like, you know, in eighth or ninth grade. And we watched it, we bonded, and, and I'm a huge hockey fan, so that, that beginning scene with the Whalers and the Canucks, like, like I'm like, oh, we can, we can you know, and then... And You're then like, he's all, right! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hartford would only be the, the and, whale, would only be once, maybe twice in a lifetime. And then you go back to Clerks, and, you know, and, there's, and there's more hockey references there, and there's more references we can engage with. And So it wasn't only something that spoke to me, but it helped me speak to my brother in a way like it. It was, oh, it was almost like awesome. a generational bond. My, my, my brother, I, told, I had to tell him, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet Kevin Smith, man. He's like, that's... That's fucking insane because that was that's a special person to us as our in our relationship. That you know story I mean? so means yeah. the fucking world to me though, because that's what you do it for. Like I, I would love to say that like oh I do it for the money, but like I'm not a I, I like making money, but I'm I'm that's not why I do it. You do it because you just want to throw something out there into the world to see if anybody agrees and see that you're not alone. That's the yep. beauty of yep. of the communications medium. You're like I think this weird way. Does anybody else fucking agree? And a bunch of people that find you funny or be like or enjoy your blog or enjoy your podcast or fucking sign up for your YouTube channel or whatever, however one expresses themselves in social media these days, you sit there going like, oh, fuck, I'm not alone. Like yep. everyone fucking agrees. So that story or not everyone, but there are people that think like me pre-internet, man, you couldn't really do that. Like you meet people at conventions or comic cons or like minded individuals if you were lucky in school, like I remember, there was a guy named James Byrne who was the only dude in high school who had the balls to be like, "Oh, I like comic books." Yeah, like the rest of us kind of put him away and shit. And he was just still reading and yep. still drawing. He was an excellent artist. So a story like that, where it's just like me and my brother bonded over your shit. That's like that's why I did it. Like for that, and that's why I kept doing it. First time I did it for me. Like let me throw this out there and see if anybody fucking like feels the way I do. And because of that, I built an audience. And then after that, almost every time after that, it was just like, let me throw this out there. And hopefully, like, I don't know, people embrace it as this thing, the way we embraced Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona was religion. You you know, just like religion is not for everybody. You, some people you meet like, oh, I fucking got no use for this. Raising Arizona was something that like, it, like Catholicism, you know, it bound you to people where you were like, oh, fucking, you know that movie? Yeah, and it begins yeah. there. And then there are other sacraments that come into play. Blue Velvet was a massive sacrament in our world in terms of like we communicated through that movie. Like that's how you did. You found your friends because it was like, do you like this? This is fucked up. And the people that liked it, you hung out with the most and shit. Do the Right Thing was another movie that like bound a lot of friendships and like made you kind of like go like, oh, you know, I don't need to hang out with these people anymore. Some people you'd show that movie movie too you'd feel enlightened by that movie and be like hey man let's watch this and then you watch some cats and like suddenly they get kind of racial or whatever and you're like okay okay that wow. be, yeah you failed that test. life exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so stuff like that you like movies man are the, the way we like you you kind of crystallize it perfectly there's almost no need for me to ramble but the way that you and your brother bound over that or bonded over that bound sounds kind of like couldn't pass the movie the way you bind bound bound to get Bonded? Bonded over it. <laughs> like, that's... I, I don't know. Like, that's what I did with my father. My father wasn't a hugely communicative guy. Like, he'd have conversations, but they were very, like you said earlier, like, how's the weather? Good. Yeah. You know, like, I saw Peter King. Like, oh, good. 
like nothing really deep. Never. I remember asking my father like at one point, "What were your dreams, Dad? Like, what did you want to do?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" As if I was just like, "You failed in life. What did you want to do?" No, I was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. "When you were my age, like." I know you as this one thing, the guy who like puts a roof on our heads and fucking like fucks mom and, and like your, your dad. But what were you before dad? Like, and did you hit it? And then I realized later in life, he fucking, my father was the most successful person I ever met. All he wanted to do in life was get married and have kids. So everything else was fucking scenery and greenery. So he hit the jackpot early in life and he was so content. His job was just a fucking burden to him. So he wasn't like way communicative, but the way we communicated was fucking through movies. So a motherfucker would take me to see World According to Garp at age 12, which is probably, you know, maybe a little heady for a 12 year old. Just a bit. A little, (laughs) you know, how do you explain like, did he, did that? And this is not in an era where people were openly communicative, but like to have a conversation afterwards, which we didn't, but like the, you know, you take your kid to see the movie, the potential conversation after is like, did that Dude, get his dick bit off in the car. Spoilers, if you've never seen uh, World According to Garth. He was in my queue. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he, he, you know, he was like, he can handle it. And if if he can't, well, he will after. The, like, it was, I don't know. Like, some, there was a generation prior to me where fathers would go out and play catch with their sons. And I think my father realized, that, like, if I throw a ball at this fucking butterball, it's going to hit him in the face. So how can I bond with him? And yeah. he was like, movies. Like, yeah. I like movies. He likes movies. And so when you say something about, like, you and your brother bonding, it just, like, takes you back to, like, oh, yeah, that's why I got into it. Like, to make something that you could, like, share with somebody. In that instance, it was me and my father. In your instance, it's you and your brother. It's thank you. That means a lot. No, no. We, we, I mean, thank you because, I mean, we were we were just reminiscing about he even came home when Jay and Silent Bob uh, Strikes Back came out, which was right before 9-11. And we are from New yes. York. So that was a, a traumatic time. But it was a few days before that I had broken my, sh- like my collarbone just a couple days before. Could barely get a shirt on. Just had my like a, what, like a, just, like a like, for no good reason you broke your collar. I, I broke it on a B, like BMXing on Long Island somewhere and and just and just you know as as young as young children do. It's such so a cool. sad pre nine eleven story. Yeah. You're like I was BMXing on Long Island, minding yeah. my own business, enjoying the fuck out of life, busted collarbone, but whatever the fuck. And then darkness. <laughs> well, well, I, I when remember, things couldn't get worse, they I just did. remember I just remember the middle of the sandwich of that happening in early September, and then sure. obviously nine eleven was that my brother came home and we saw it. We went and saw the movie. And I couldn't, I could barely move. Like that was such a debil- like, surprisingly debilitating injury where I had to like drape a button down over me. Basically, I couldn't even like put my arm in it. And we sat in the movie theater and we were hysterical laughing. And it hurt. I was laughing while I hurt. I'll never forget that. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, it is those moments that, that are special. That's why it's very surreal that we're here. I think, that for me, means anyway. the world. Do you remember that summer, like prior to September 11th? Yeah. What the big story was so big that I believe it was on the cover of Time magazine. No, well, I don't, I don't remember know. this part. Shark attacks um, up and down the East Coast. Shark attacks had like dramatically increased for the first time in, in a decade or more. And so there were all these shark attacks happening right in that summer, man. And like getting national attention. Like, what the fuck's up with sharks? <laughs> that's how fucking like that's the world we lived in right prior to September 11th. Yeah. Where people like sharks. What are we going to do about them? 
then everything fucking changed. Everything got really, you know. really serious. Really if you quickly. were a Shark's publicist, you were like, fuck, fuck man. God damn it, Al-Qaeda. <laughs> Shark Week was going to be the biggest they thing ever. It was just off the cover of time. Yeah, yeah, it took them a while to get back. But, but it's funny. It had you... to be a bunch in a tornado, and then suddenly <laughs> Sharks were like, we're back, motherfuckers. It's, you know, Colin has the collarbone, but like for me, right before September 11th, I was going to college. Like for, you know, freshman Where were you year, going? Mizzou, University of Missouri. Mm. And so like I remember everything leading up to that and then how, yeah, it all flipped. But like, yeah, how... You know, when I got there, like I told you this after the Comic Con panel, right? Like, what I what I introduced myself. Like, I remember when we had our freshman year. You know, you're on the dorm floor, like two truths and a lie kind of shit. And the one that I got everybody was like, I'm gonna be in uh, Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back. And when they came around, that's a lie. And I'm like, that's the fucking truth. Really, right? really? Pulled up view askew, and I'm like, look, there's my picture on this poster. That's gonna be in the background. And like, yeah, all this in different the, awesome in shit. what's his name's office? Yeah, in exactly. Yeah, yeah. Office. yeah, God, I remember that. Yeah, and I remember going. Like now it's commonplace where oh, you know, sure, yeah, have fans or something send something in. in. Yeah, fan could it's a Kickstarter a uh, reward. For yes, you now they'll yeah, yeah. now they'll if you give them five hundred bucks they'll do it. But it was like you know it was the two thousand right you know right yeah. before two thousand right before September eleventh. So it was this glorious heady time on the internet where a lot more people had jumped online and shit. And so the Vuesque message board, which was this is very simple whiteboard, very simple to Reddit. Yeah, very sim- uh, similar to Reddit. Um, where you post a thought and then motherfuckers would branch into a thousand responses and shit. And we were able to do things like, Hey man, if you want like, you know, to see yourself in the background, we got to put pictures up anyway. Yeah. Why not you folks? And so <laughs> they sent in a bunch of pictures and we put them up on the, on the pegboard and the, the pinboard in the yeah, background. Yeah. So yeah, that's but it, fucking wild. Well, it's just, there was that. And that was like the biggest thing coming up to that. I remember, I remember listening to the James on the Bob soundtrack on re- repeat, right? Cause that was one of the albums I bought right before I went and I knew every one of the lines, like, you know, the interstitials or whatever in there and like being so into you and uh, three people in the theater when it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loving it religiously but like i remember like one of the stories i always tell about before and after is uh, i forget who the, who's saying it the artist but on the you had how many people want to kick some ass um, uh, the, uh, the uh, thing uh, right uh, yeah so and i remember went to college stroke nine there you go went to college got limewire started legally downloading music but at the time whatever who cared and i remember like on september <laughs> september that. 15th they put up a new version of that live and it was their first live performance after it and it was like this whole thing about violence is no answer to violence. It was like like that, you know what I mean? Just a week separated the way these guys changed their song, you know what I mean, to respond. So they took how many people want to kick some yeah, ass yeah, into yeah. it a post Because there was like that part where, you know, the, don't lay it and the like, violence yeah. is no answer to violence blah, 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 and it's hard to see. Like it was totally like everybody calmed down and it was like what I needed to hear. It's like a really weird I did not expect to get into this. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole. Obviously, we're still all still. So that's our advice that. for starting yes. <laughs> out on our own. Great, stroke nine. Kevin, what's your topic? Um, God, where do I want to go, man? We were just talking about something where I was like, "Ooh, that's an interesting." There's plenty. Thing. We can get around if you want. You're talking about YouTube when you were saying this. Yeah, I, yeah. I was just gonna throw here. I'll throw a little love toward uh, toward something. But this is my go-to, like. The way that when I was younger, I'd be like, ooh, uh, fucking Mork and Mindy is on on fucking Thursday. And you'd circle it in TV Guide and fucking, you know, we didn't, we couldn't DVR it. So you had to watch it when it oh, happened. DVR's so good now. Oh, amazing. So it really, it, it killed family time, oh, yeah. you know, because it's just like, well, we can catch this whenever. But it's kind of sad that family time was spent in front of a television time, anyway. Right. So there was a time where the family time at the dinner was killed by television and shit. But um, fuck, what was I talking about? Oh, so this is what I go to. My go-to for entertainment. The thing that I'm like, oh shit, it's Sunday. My 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 stories, as my grandmother would call it, like the young and the restless. Like you couldn't bother her when her stories were on. My stories are on Cinema Sins on YouTube. Oh, oh yes. 
Oh, my oh God, God, yes. This is the perfect form of entertainment for any movie fan. Number one, you get to watch the movie again, kind of. <laughs> because it's nothing but clips of the movie. And then number two, it's just like it's, it's hysterical or enjoyable on a whole different level because, you know, it's almost like its own commentary track. And the movie's, you know, truncated usually down to the number's been growing. Now it's like, how you know, everything wrong with a movie in 19 minutes it used yeah, to be yeah. like four minutes, but I got to tell you, like, I don't care. I fucking gather around and be like, Oh, it's my jam. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, they certainly don't need the help. They have lots of subscribers on YouTube, but that has been my go-to lately for entertainment. Like, and, and it makes me then go watch that movie mm. again. Like it's kind of like fantastic advertising for whatever movie they're doing, but it's also just fun. It's kind of cool watching somebody practice their art, man. Like watching them build an audience and go, like, oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna fucking throw up clips and I'm gonna talk about like what's wrong with this movie. Is it's I don't know. It's the perfect 21st century century distillation of what's possible on the internet. How you can like create as you guys are learning and as you guys are branching out to do right now. You can create your fucking living and dictate the terms of your living and be responsible for fucking how you earn by being artistic, being creative, or just fucking around on the internet eating peppers and fucking talking about <laughs> video games. It's a great time to be alive. Yeah. Yeah, we met those guys uh, at VidCon a couple months ago. Are they? Is it more? I always assume it's one guy. Cause well, it's one dude, voice. but it's a team that need, you know edits that puts and it like, together. does all the clips and all that stuff. Another and one I love is the Screen Junkies. Oh, do, Screen Junkies are great. Uh, which one called? Uh, the, the, the Honest, Honest trailers. trailers. Yeah. And I watched their behind the scenes of how it was done. I found that fucking fascinating because yeah. i was i always assumed oh it's like one guy sitting there watches it writes a bunch of jokes it is a they it's no fucking joke dude like they produced they produce youtube videos now the way they used to produce television everyone's got a fucking staff like a staff of researchers and stuff like we that. have kevin over there yeah. good job Hi, kev, kev. It's, 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 it's kind of crazy but yeah it's those both of them are real like i they, the one cinema sins seems to be far more consistent and I get pissy when they don't do like more than like two a week or something. Yeah, right. That's the thing. We know how much content, how much time it takes to create that content. I'm like, fucking do more. But that's Where the, they all but that's hot mess art, moves. Dude. Hot that's, mess moves. Get your shit together. Yeah. Make more episodes. You will Fuck. be hearing that for the rest of your life. Like that's the when you you choose to enter the arts, man. This is the common conversation you have with your audience. After you show them something you've just labored on forever, yeah. they go, "That's great. What's next?" And you're like, I just fucking finished that magic trick, man. Like, yeah. what What do you mean what's next? Yeah. I just feel that way it's with... Voracious, it's with video games, right? Where I'll talk to developers and have them on, or I'll see them get interviewed by somebody else, and you're like, all right, so what's happening with the sequel? And he's like, I just spent three years <laughs> my life. making this. Like, it's something from nothing. Little numbers on a computer, and they <laughs> kick each other's ass and shoot each other, and you want to know what's next? But yeah, that's like, we're, we've seen it. Let me see the next yeah. thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Th- these days, it's so crazy, too, especially with the internet, where we can sometimes produce especially at IGN, multiple videos a day. Mm. And we're just putting out all this content. So then when we put way more effort and work into something that we love and care, like there'll be videos we make that we pour our hearts into. Some we just, we're talking, we're not really right. doing anything. And the audience doesn't see the difference, you know? I agree. And it's crazy then, they'll just move on to the next one. They'll just be like, oh, cool. And you're just like, no, no, guys, guys, no, we did this thing. Like you This should, is the one that's supposed to blow up. Yeah, yeah like, you should yeah. know this one. Yeah. And it's, it's just crazy that... that There's no pointing to what becomes viral. Yeah. There's no... You know, it, the best you can do as a new media creator um, is just create vast amounts of content. 
and hope that they f- something pops or they find it. I, the other day, you know, things gravitate to the top of the YouTube page. There's some little cartoon about um, a dad explains slave Leia outfit to a little girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the dude, I looked at the dude's channel. And, you know, dude's got very few subscribers and he's made a couple of these videos and stuff. And all, you know, they're all animated, all clever, but perfect topic at the right time. And the way it was phrased, all of a sudden, you know, a bunch of people going like, oh, fuck, that is interesting. What would you say to a fucking girl, a young girl who's like, the fuck's with this costume? And boom, that is now over a a million hits, probably at two. It's gone viral. But you can't gauge that. Like that dude wasn't sitting there going, this is the one. I don't know. Maybe well, that, and that's the thing for us, right? Like even when we were before we rebranded and we were doing all this content, we're doing the podcast, we're doing great topics. They're timely. We're expecting this one could do big numbers. It doesn't, or it does. They all do fine. We have a great mm-hmm. audience. But for the longest time, our most successful video was the art. It was the archive of the Fast and Furious live stream, which <laughs> was a camera pointed at a bunch of fat guys on a couch watching the Fast and Furious, not giving commentary, right. not doing anything. It's just that was a great headline. People tuned in. They'd watch what's happening. They'd pop to the comment and they'd be like, "Wait, why? Why, why are you showing the video?" Why are you showing all the movies back to back to back? Because we were, we were marathoning all the Fast and the Furious. And it's like, well, that's not what we're doing. You know what I mean? What like, an so amazing like, age where somebody will fucking watch you watch, watch movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, the other you know, we had a breakout success on a stupid live stream on uh, what? On Black Friday where Colin and I played a best of seven Monopoly tournament on a board game. And we had two cameras, one on the board and one on us. <laughs> and we're like, no one's going to watch this. And I'm watching the numbers. Like, we have like. 2,000 people concurrently watching this right now, like live. And now it's got like 35,000 people. There's like 35,000 views on this video on demand. It's just like, what did we fucking do before the internet? Right? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> like, how starved were we for entertainment? <laughs> but, but it's so weird. And, and, and I don't know, encouraging to know that there are 2,000 people out there who'd be like, I got a few minutes. I'm watching but it's, play it, Monopoly. It's the weirdest thing. And this is going back to Mallrats, right? Is that. And I, I remember when you got into podcasting, I was like, oh, great, I'm glad he, because we've been podcasting at IGN forever, right? And with Beyond and everything else and now our own shit. But when you did, I'm like, oh, that's such a natural thing, blah, 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 blah. But it never dawned on me to flip it back and remember the first DVD I ever saw was Mallrats mm. and how amazing it was to watch you guys picture in picture talk about the thing and how that bonded me to everybody. And that's why, like, when, when Affleck started blowing up, I'm like, oh, man. I'm, I love Ben and I know Ben because of this. And I'm I've glad heard him, him make jokes like that he would never make in an interview. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, you like that movie with that guy? He slept on Kevin Smith's couch, mom, when they were making this movie. And here yeah. he heard this fight between Kevin and his then girl. It's a long story. That's how I got to, <laughs> to podcasting because, like, the way Mosier described it, Scott Mosier had uh, listened to an episode of the Ricky Gervais podcast. Mm-hmm. And he goes, it's kind of because I was like, what is it? And he's like, well, that is a radio show that they put up online for us to be able to listen to here. But he goes, but it sounds just kind of like, you know, what we do when we do a commentary track. He's going, people sit around just bullshitting. And I was like, really? That appealed to me very much. (laughs) There was a podcast that that I was on. Like, I never give these guys any credits. I think it was called Geekscape or Geekcast. This is going back to 2000. Six. Um, Fuck. Um, Yeah. They had a real, like, very simple theme. Like, uh, Geekscape. Fuck, I forget the name of it. Anyway, these two dudes came to our old office uh, down the street a little bit, the Viewskew office. And they brought their little fucking recording device with them and shit. They found me online. We were talking on some forum. They're like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I was like, oh, sure. And we sat down and recorded a desk, you know, three mics and shit. It's the first podcast I ever did. And 
I instantly fell in love. Right. I was so jealous of these two dudes. I was like, you do this all the time? Like, fucking just for free? For nothing? Like, there's no... It, it was clearly passion project. Sure, sure. So I was like, fuck, this is possible? And so I remember hitting up Mosier. I mean, really, we started Smodcast. Um, one of the reasons was Ken Plume, the guy uh, was running uh, Quick Stop Entertainment, which used to be Movie Poop Shoot. We had mm. Movie Poop Shoot, became Quick Stop Entertainment. So a lot of people bitched about, like, you know, uh, people that used to write for the site, be like, it's tough to get credentials with a site called Movie Poop Shoot. And I was like, really? <laughs> well, I, remember, uh, I remember when you guys did that when I was still you know, hitting up the website all the time. And I clicked over because like, you were like, somebody's talking shit about us on this stupid site. <laughs> yes. And I went and talked. And I'm like, oh, it's got an ass. And I immediately X'd out. And then like weeks later, somebody's like, oh, it was this and it was that. And I'm like, oh, I never d- dug deep enough to find the Easter eggs to Blunt Man and Chronic. <laughs> we, put up a, we had put up a fake website, an anti-Jane Silent Bob website that had the trailer, the first trailer buried in yeah. it and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I hit a pothole. What was I talking about right before that? It was that boring. Nobody remembers. No, it was it's just, we, we, we just keep going with you. We're just, we're just shucking and jiving right there. I forgot what it was. <laughs> Shadow boxing. Boy, He's good at that. it's going to fall. You were, you were talking cracks. about the guys you were podcasting with and then the... Thank you. Goddamn Kyle Moriarty. Come on, round of applause. So those dudes, man, I sit down and I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do what these cats do. And Ken Plume was like, well, we could use some traffic on Quick Stop Entertainment. And so uh, I said, hey, man, well, this is the confluence of events that topped with Scott Mosier and I hadn't been hanging out and, and having a good time like bullshitting. All our hangout time was work related and shit. And what, you know, our relationship had been predicated on sitting around going like, hey, man, what do you think fucking happened after the Death Star blew up? Like shit yeah, like yeah. that. So I was like, well, maybe if we sat down and forced ourselves to sit down and record one of these podcasts once a week. Where, you know, it's not business. It has nothing to do with our work or anything like that. It's just this bullshit and whatnot. And then we have to put it up. Then it'll force us to hang out for once a week. Yes. And just yes. bullshit and not work or something. That's the exact same thing that happened with us. Is You know what I mean? Like, we, Colin and I lived together and worked together at IGN. You know what I mean? People were always like, oh, don't you get sick of each other? And it was like, no, we don't see each other that much at the office. And when we go home, we go to our separate girlfriends, our separate rooms. We do separate things. So we weren't even having, like, friend time anymore. You know what I mean? Yes. You lose Which is sight- crucial. Oh, man, yeah. You lose because- sight of it's a real relationship. You need, to, you need to treat it like a relationship. Yes. And so when we started doing that, yeah, for sure it was time with us. But then on top of that, you know, Nick and Tim went from being like, oh, we know them. They're our friends to being like, oh, well, they're, they're our bros. We'll die for them. You know what I mean? That is uh, that was how I got to it, man, was like that confluence of events was like, I want to do this. Like th- those two guys, that podcast was just fun. I was like, what do you, wait, could, we could talk about whatever we want. We could go as long as we want. There were no rules. Yeah, exactly. Man. And then the idea, and it's still the same today, man, as most cats know or maybe don't know, but like. There's no fucking gatekeeper yet. Still, still keep waiting every day. Somebody would be like, from now on, Mr. Internet says you can or can't post something. But it's the wild, wild west. It continues to be the wild, wild west. The only medium that I can think of, like if you want to stage a play, you got to get permission, pay some fucking rent, whatever the fuck. If you want to make a movie that goes into theaters, believe me, there are plenty of gatekeepers that will keep this in check. Uh, unless you're financing it yourself. And even then, if you want to get in the theater, there's a gatekeeper who could say no. If you want to make a television program, there's a lot of checks and balances to keep you from fucking expressing yourself. But in this medium, podcasting, still, and YouTube, still, there's nobody. Like, fucking, it's very extreme what you have to do to get something taken off fucking YouTube. (laughs) And, And even more extreme, you have to say something insane to get a podcast 
taken down. Sure. Like, it's just utter freedom right now. And one day somebody's going to figure out how to fucking uh, charge you to do this or fucking uh, stop you from doing it without fucking them saying, oh, we approved this. Right. Until then, man, do it. Because it's it's as close to homegrown entertainment as you can get. And nobody's fucking... There's nothing but upside. Like, you can find a massive audience without fucking having to get through some gatekeeper or pay to do so. Or you could just hobby it, man. Like you just like record conversations. It uses it as an excuse. Like me and Mosier has an excuse to hung uh, used it as an excuse to hang out. Use it as an excuse to sit down with your fucking mother or father and be like, Hey man, what was your life like? Because yeah. one day you run out of that opportunity and you don't ever get to fucking find out. Like I recorded some podcasts with my mom and it was nuts. Cause she just, I fed her weed cake and she was so honest, <laughs> 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 but you know, I got to like talk to her as like, what was this like? What's that like? Rather than just be like, you know, you're my mother and I honor you as my mother kind of want to get to the heart of who she was as a person if you ever want to figure out who the fuck you are as a person how the fuck did you get here what decisions did she make that led to the moment where she's like oh, i'm gonna fuck this doofus and then nine months later i was born yeah so you know you can even use that fucking podcast as an excuse to like sit down and like talk to somebody that you find interesting but you don't have any like entree into sometimes it's weird in our culture to be like hey you want to go out or go to a movie or want to get something to eat it's much easier to be like, I'm thinking about recording a podcast. You want to come over and be like, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that. sure. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, we'll <laughs> sit around. We'll talk for two hours. Yes. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, that, and that's the whole thing we always talk, you know, like it, it, you know, we record out of the spare bedroom and we call it our home studio. But like when you, when we invite a guest over, I have to like, they come like, this is our house and that's my dog and my girlfriend's over there. But this is where the pot, and like, you know what I mean? There's that initial yeah. like, oh, all right, cool. And then it's just like, but on what other situation would I have Michael Rosenbaum in my house? We should really start telling them ahead of time, by the way. I do. I say home studio. <laughs> I drive home that it's the home, but I think people don't understand it's the home home. They're like, we heard the studio part. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't fucking kidding about the home. But what a, what better job to have where you can like literally roll out of your fucking bed and put on a robe and go do it? Do you hear? Let me ask you this: Do you find yourselves going like, "Oh, save that for the podcast"? Sometimes yep. it oh, interrupts. Yeah, yeah. All the time. It's, this guy it's, won't it's, let us talk. Yes. Like, I swear, every conversation we have, he's like, save it for the show. Well, save no. It the it's because we'll it's be in the car smart. and, like, what's your topic? And my topic's, you know, what? It's it's tables. And then Nicola, I got a story about table. It's one time where I'm like, no, that's f- no, I don't want to hear the story twice. I want to have an honest tell action. it to you. What? I like when you listen to me. Well, I only listen to you on the podcast. That's true. That's why I need that in my life. What you got to do is wire everything so you're constantly recording well, all the time. We wish we could do that. But see, the car rides oh, to the podcast. The car rides. Those are the ones that, you know, what that's, you're saying about the whole GoPros, internet. man. The internet, like, doesn't take things off. That's the stuff that they're going to take off. All right. Yeah. We get all the raunch out in the car ride. And then we go PG thirteen for the podcast. We got to we got to test it on the trip down here yesterday. We set up a GoPro Did and mic'd you? everybody in the car, and that way that was like our Patreon exclusive episode we put up over on. It was so how, how long did you shoot? Oh, same thing. Hour and a half. We tried to hit. That's our like promise to the who listener. was driving. Uh, Kevin did. Kevin. Kevin is like he. Ever, people who listen to the show and watch the show know Kevin's the unsung hero. Even though we mention him, but we don't let him on camera. It only I think three fans now have seen you in person today at Meltdown. A fan came over to meet us, and I was like, and I'm like, this is Kevin. And he's like, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Get out of here. <laughs> it's like seeing Clarabelle with the makeup ball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people in the audience like, who the fuck is Clarabelle? Do your fucking history yeah. on TV. Look Come that on. up on the Bye, internet. Bye, kids. So sad. Um. All right. So that was my topic. Okay. What's your topic? 
Oh, so we're skipping my topic. We're going. We're going straight to Nick here. here yeah, I want to ask you the question. Fire away. A good question. So you, you, we're talking about. You talked earlier. A good uh, question. Topic the rest one. of the show sucked. <laughs> the rest of it was rubbish. It was all built up to this moment. Uh, you mentioned how our attention spans have gotten a lot shorter, mm. right? And there's so much content out there that we feel we need to watch a lot of it. Well, that wasn't the case uh, back in the mid '90s when you made Clerks. Mm. So, in your opinion, can something like can can something like Clerks happen again? Is there is is that even possible in today's society? Here's what here's. Here's the one thing I can say definitively about Clerks. There will never be a movie that looks that bad again. Like, think about it. It looks really great on Netflix, by the way. It's it, very crisp. It, it, very, it does it really? Oh, but yeah. it's, it's still like you can't... Even with a cell phone, uh, you can make a better looking picture sure. than that at this point. Everything looks like 35 millimeter at this point. Right. Now, could that happen again? I mean, every year at Sundance, there's a, hey, this film like got, uh, came out of nowhere... Um, the girl, the woman who does girls, uh, Lena Dunham, yeah. she came from indie film world. What was it? Tiny Furniture, I think. Oh, was right. Her, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, was yeah. her flick. So I definitely think it's possible. Um, but it's like YouTube has kind of supplanted that, so to speak. Like indie film, there was a period where, you know, they were taking chances like crazy. And now indie film is like uh, a movie that a studio didn't make. But it still has got... Tons of famous people in it, and sometimes cost fifteen to twenty million bucks. Right, so it's it's a completely different like uh, Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch. That's an indie film, but that's pretty fucking expensive indie film and stuff. So the low budget kind of like uh, out of nowhere thing, uh, Cinderella story, as they used to call it, like me and Robert Rodriguez, um, Ed Burns, a host of others who came through Sundance. I don't know if that can happen again. I not quite that way right you know it seems like i mean like for me right it's the fact that it i always talk about like our attention spans are shattered glass you throw that giant you have it you start with a giant piece of glass you throw it down you have all these shards and it seems like to capture the moment that way for an indie film would be so tough where everyone's talking about it where it's like spreading like i i always think about it in the same way of like blair witch project right Mm -hmm. where you heard all these like rumblings of this it was the first found footage film and people couldn't tell if it was real or not oh yeah i mean like by the time it got to theaters everyone knew about this flick and wanted to see it yeah we had that we had it sort of happen with paranormal activity but that was a while ago i agree paranormal activity was the last one but that was not like um i don't think that movie like Paranormal Activity stood on its own feet based on the concept. So did Blair Witch Project. So much of Clerks was predicated on, and this guy, he made the movie in the convenience store. <laughs> so that movie leaned heavily on on the backstory, at least in its theatrical life, and it never played on more than fucking 50 screens in theaters. It didn't go fucking wide and deep. When it, where it found its true audience was when it went, on, went to home video, and that's where people were like, they weren't writing think pieces about it anymore. The true audience was going, that's me. That's my friend. It, it, you know, I remember there were a few reviews. There was one review in People Magazine that said about Jason Mewes' character, you want to find the rock the actor crawled out from under, make sure there's nothing else like him under there or something. But like, you know, they, it was if they were foreign people to the people that reviewed the movie because they, they weren't a bunch of internet bloggers. Right, right, right. Now that probably worked in my benefit because you had a bunch of people writing in newspapers and stuff like that going like, well, this movie is a snapshot of Gen X and blah, blah, blah. If Gen X had had a voice like the internet at sure. that point, 
maybe they would have said, no, he's not. Like, this is, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, there was no so, one there to say, wait, I am a representative Gen X, and I don't know if bingo, this is Bingo, bingo. She so, just fucked a corpse. Exactly. So I, uh, I mean, look, the closest I came to that was I remember Harmony Corinne, the filmmaker at one point, said in some interview, uh, if he is the voice of Gen X, then I want to kill myself or something like that. He doesn't speak for me or whatever. Right. So, and that was at the beginning of the internet too. So I, I benefited greatly from people that wrote about that film, um, intelligently or, or something, but that, that movie found its audience at home where people were like, Oh, I am Randall. Oh, I am fucking Dante. Or I know a Jay and silent Bob and stuff. So it had this weird two life effect, but I don't know if, I mean, there are always movies that come out of Sundance, but it's tough to surprise people anymore. Right. And they've, and you know, low budget is kind of not the move anymore. And, and the low budget quickly, quickly gets absorbed into the business. Like you got to remember when we started, it wasn't less going like, we're going to get fucking rich and direct a studio movie. Like yeah, yeah. that was not the path. Now it is. Now you can make a movie like the, the guy that made Godzilla made that weird. What was it? Uh, monsters. Monsters. Yeah, yeah. You know, low budget movie where he went and sh- very clever how he did it and shit and uh, shooting in, in areas where, you know, there was already damage. And whatnot. Yeah. But like that dude went on to like make fucking Godzilla. Right. That didn't happen and back Star Wars in the day. And now a fucking <laughs> Star Wars movie. So, you know, I think if that had been on the table back in the day for me. That would have been intimidating enough for me to not try to make a movie. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, oh, that's the path. You make one of these indie films and then you make fucking Godzilla. Like, you know, that maybe that's the path for talented filmmakers and stuff. But I guess for me, I was, I was so, I don't know. I'm glad I came up in a time where there was not like, this is a fast track to that. Blaze your own trail kind of thing, right? Or not even just like, there's like, I'm not a visual stylist, so I was never going to make a comic book movie. I love watching them, but like, you couldn't get a comic book movie out of me. It's, it requires too much effort. And, and I was still learning my craft. I mean, I'm still learning my craft to this day, but I didn't start out as a strong visual stylist. All content with no way to fucking express it and shit. So two decades into it, now I know how to express myself visually with a camera. I just don't have access to the same type of material. Mm. And it would also be redundant at this, at this point. Like the stuff uh, that I wrote about, like uh, Clerks and Mallrats chasing Amy Dogma, Jane Sonnenbaum strike back, the shit that like, oh, people identify with that from that period, blah, blah, blah. That, if I make that a movie like that again, people are like, what's the fucking point? Dude, the internet does that every day in a far more clever way than you do. Then there's also the question of like, I can't really access personal stuff anymore. That's how I played the game early on. I just took my real life and put it into movies. Right. But then at a certain point, my real life became the movies. Like, you know, I got my wish. Like, this is what I wanted. Yeah. And I became a filmmaker. But when that becomes your life, you stop living a real life. Like, you I'm going to write a new script about how I'm so tired from podcasting yeah, and bingo, going to events. Bingo. Like, <laughs> you know, you, I ran, you could tell when I ran out of personal things to say, more or less. When by the time I get to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, because I'm like, this is a movie about making movies. Like yeah. half of the movie takes place on, on a movie set. You know, that's like the furthest thing from Clerks you can imagine. Clerks is, is relatable to anybody who's ever had a fucking job. Whereas Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is just a flat out balls out comedy that's completely unrealistic and stuff. And that's because my life had become completely unrealistic i made a little black and white movie and i made it going like someone will see this and then they'll give us money next time so i don't have to pay for the movie it wasn't like this will start my career it was just like 
this is this is gonna this this will get us to the next right. movie. Could get me out of debt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> at that. So had I thought that like, well, this is the path to a career, blah blah. That would have seemed too, seemed too daunting to me, and I wouldn't have tried. Just like if I had known Richard Linklater, like he was from Austin, I knew that. But I was like, this guy's from Bumblefuck, Texas, man. He made a movie. He's not in Hollywood or Los Angeles and shit or New York. If he could do it in Bumblefuck, Texas, I could do it in Jersey. And Bumblefuck, Texas is Austin, and then there's no, it's not Bumblefuck, it's fucking Austin. It's a <laughs> cultural mecca, not to mention it's the state cool capital. It's an amazing place, especially if you celebrate the arts, particularly in Austin. But thank God I didn't know that. If I had a little bit of education, to be like, well, Austin is an arts community supported by UT, and of course they fucking he could make this amazing film in that world. And I would have then also been like, oh, maybe I shouldn't try this after all. Little ignorance goes a long way, you know. And and, and we're and, hoping so. Oh, it helps. <laughs> it absolutely helps because if you knew everything you were about to face, you might not go on the journey. Sometimes you got to discover shit along the way and whatnot. And some things are. Harder than you think they're going to be, and some things are way easier than you ever imagined, man. Sometimes you catch a wave and you're off and running. But I don't know. I don't know if it can happen like that again in movies. It happens like that all the time on the internet. There's like I, I'm yeah. this weird hybrid or cross between, like I, I don't know. I, I swear, and I don't say this in a. This is not. I don't mean this to sound arrogant. It's just something I've been thinking of a lot lately. Like I just can't point to somebody else and be like, he's like me. Like and, and, and not in like I'm a true original. Anytime I want to be like, oh, I'm like uh, I'm a filmmaker, like David Fincher. I'm like, well, no, I'm not. David Fincher, like that's what he does. The only thing he does, and he's exceptional at it. And then I go like, oh, well, I'm a podcaster, like this person. But that person's also not a filmmaker, mm-hmm. like I am, or doesn't have a TV show. I'm like, all right, well, then I'm I'm a guy who who uh, does fucking comic book, and you know, like it's just there are so many different things that I do that I can't like point to someone else sure. exactly and be like, we do the exact same fucking thing. But I notice that it's happening more and more. Many artists are spinning more plates because A, we can, and B, that's survival. Like at the end of the day, man, sometimes it's like, all right, this is what I do, but when I'm not doing this, I can also do this. It helps to be, my, you know, have a few tools in, in the toolbox. So yeah, there's a ton of YouTubers now writing books. That Smart. are then getting turned into movies, yeah, which is very interesting and with some good success. Famously, uh, the Fault in Our Stars was a, was a book. was his name uh, uh, John Green, yes, and I mean brilliant guy. Much and my kid was hip to him long before I was. Sure. Like That's I remember crazy. seeing that book years ago on her desk and being like, "What's this?" She's like, "There's a guy on YouTube. He makes videos, and I watch him. And he wrote a book." And I was like, oh, good for you. And good for that young guy. Good for that young guy. And little did I know. Never had to work a day in his life. Oh, my God. And you want to talk about subscriptions on fucking YouTube. But that dude is fucking insanely famous in that circle and and translated over to film. And so now it goes into another medium. So, like, that's all possible now. And, you know, that's why you guys are, like, coming. You are merging at the absolute right time. You can absolutely be captains of your own destiny. There's a couple cats, uh, Brian Quinn. Uh, as a friend of mine, a guy, he's in a group called the Tenderloins. They do a show on True TV called Impractical Jokers. Oh, okay. So Brian love, Quinn, love I've, that show. Uh, Brian Quinn, such a beautiful human being. I've known this dude since like 1995. He was like you or or you, one of three people who saw fucking Mallrats in a theater <laughs> or Jane Silent Bob Shrek back in a theater. He went and he was a Staten Island kid, 
And, um, you know, he had, uh, it was early on the internet, like the days of the forum, the, the whiteboard, the Viewskew message board of Viewskew.com. Whiteboard sounds so fucking racist, but, you know, that's what they call it, just writing on a whiteboard. And you're a racist. And I'm pretty damn racist. <laughs> um, so uh, it, he had said, hey, man, I went into a bookstore um, to look for the Mallrats script book and the guy beyond the counter. And this was weird. This is like the first time I heard about this, but certainly not the last guy beyond the counter having an opinion on me like to a total stranger and this would come to define who i am and what i do like you know for those who know and give a shit about entertainment and stuff if you say oh that guy you know some people go oh i love that guy and a lot of people go i fucking hate that guy you know so yeah. this was the first instance of the guy uh, brian quinn going this guy i went to get the book in a bookstore in a walden books or whatever and a fucking dude said oh that movie's terrible and so I said, you know, oh, well, then you should go back and give the bookstore dork some shit. Brian Quinn sends a recording, a cassette, <laughs> a week later. And uh, he, he goes, uh, uh, Kev Smith told me to go give the bookstore dork some shit. So I went to the bookstore and this is what happened. And it's a fucking tape recording of the dude going, hey, hi, do you remember me? He's going, yeah, I came in last week looking for a Mallrats book. And the guy goes, uh, yeah, I th yeah, I remember. He's going, yeah, well, I know Kevin Smith, and I told him that you didn't like his movie. And you know what he said? And the guy, you hear the guy go, no. And he goes, he told me to give the bookstore dark some shit. <laughs> Screaming at him. And he goes, uh, fuck you. What? And the guy goes, time to leave. And he goes, what are you going to do about it? Like screaming at him and stuff recording it and it was really disturbing but at the same time <laughs> very flattering the so kind right of power you have over your fans to send them out to do your bidding right away i hired brian quinn i was like you you deserve a job and he helped us build our fucking web uh sales division like he was the first guy there was no web sales people would send in a check or money order and you know he would do the uh, the yeah, mail yeah. order form but years later man he you know he's got this fucking show now, him and his buddies had this fucking comedy group that they, you know, they would do sketches together and stuff. They did one for, like, some NBC show. I forget what it was. I don't know if it was the the stand-up comedy show. But, like, they were involved oh, okay. in this competition where they won something online and whatnot. And the dudes turned that. They parlayed that little bit of YouTube success into a fucking television, their own television right. show. Which also has its own spinoff television show where they talk about how they made the show one of those shows <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah all from sitting around hanging out with friends chasing the fucking dream and stuff so you guys are doing the exact right thing man um whether another clerk's gonna happen or not doesn't matter it did happen and now people expect more and you know yeah. when's your next one well not even of me of you guys oh, like sure, 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 you sure. can't even do that you can't get away with something as like Look how cute and simple and fucking like user friendly this tiny little movie obviously made by an idiot is. Now there are lots of us out there. You know, now the internet is full of Kevin Smith circa 1994. Everybody far more talented than that guy as well. And everybody with a forum to tell the story. And you guys are diving into that fucking pool. I, I salute you, man. That's awesome. Now, in the middle of that, it all dawned on me mm. that I had to send Kevin to the car because I've been carrying with me in my bag because I haven't unpacked it a copy of Phobia. Now, Phobia is an independent movie made mm. by our friend Mike Aransky who came on the show to sell it. And he, he of course, cited you and Clerks as being one of his, the, their inspirations because this is a yeah. movie they shot over, what, five years no, on weekends? Yeah, no, the, I think it was over like... 
18 months or something like that of weekends. So they had regular jobs, but they kept it going for months every weekend to film. And they make, they've made quite a few of these movies. Uh, and this was five years later, I think, after they made this. They finally finished it and got it distributed. And they had this amazing cover for it. It is uh, fucking. I mean, this looks intense. insane. It's, hey, it's got an O-ring, as they call it in the industry. Uh, an oversleeve. something completely different to me. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> there's another industry where it's far more, far, far filthier to say. Over. Yes. Um, this, this looks fucking pro. Like, as I was pulling apart, I was like, wow, man. Motherfuckers had a dream about making a movie, and now they can actually hold on yep. to the it. movie. And it looks like every other fucking movie yep. as good professional as any other fucking movie you would see sitting on a shelf. Or yeah, and you got that. That one's from Walmart. I mean, yeah. that's fucking... Isn't that crazy? Awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and some people... Like, that's success. Like, unparalleled success. Now, arrogance, ego would dictate, like, uh, oh, did it play in a theater, blah, blah, blah. Don't fucking matter. It's, he he right. had a dream. He made a movie. It's founding its audience. Like, that's what I love about um, right now, being able to practice art right now. There's no, like, oh, if it doesn't do this, it doesn't count. Like, there was a time in our business where um, if, if a movie went, like, straight to video, that was, like, the worst fucking thing. The kiss of death. The kiss of death. Right. And that was the thing. I'm like, oh, my God. Not, what could be worse than a straight-to-video movie? And it was only because, you know, it had that kind of, like, well, there, this is how things work. A movie comes out, and then months later, if not years later, it comes out on video. Then it eventually goes to cable. Then it eventually goes to television. And that's all changed now. Yeah. Now it's by any means necessary. Reach the audience. You don't need to go through fucking particular channels. Like this cat, you know, he was like, fuck, I'm going to make a movie. Just like years ago with Clerks, I was like, I'm going to make a movie. I got very lucky because that movie got picked up by a company that like then was like, all right, what do you want to do next? What do you want to do next? And they had resources. They had just been bought right before they bought me by fucking Disney. So... I make like the you know rawest, um, and would not not intending like this is going to be hardcore, but for that year the rawest uh, looking sounding fucking American independent film that winds up being a goddamn Disney movie. <laughs> so you know that that was not planned for. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to be this guy more than anything in the world. Who made Phobia? Rory Abel. This and Michael Ransky. And Michael Ransky. Well, Roy was the director. I know, but I'm saying we, it's in our life because of Michael Ransky. True, right. true. Right now, Michael Ransky's so happy. Michael Ransky. Ignoring his kid, listening to Kevin Smith mention his name. who I wanted to be. Like, I didn't think, you know, my I'd make a movie that, like, I, all I had in me was Clerks and then, and then Dogma. I knew I wanted to make mm. Dogma. And I knew I couldn't make Dogma until I made Clerks and stuff. So I didn't expect Clerks to, like, get picked up and go into movie theaters. Like, at most best case scenario, I expected to four-wall it myself, which is what we later did with Red State. And that, too, was, like, that was my plan, and it was interrupted by fucking, like, unexpected dumb luck success with Miramax going, we're going to put the movie out and shit like that. But this is who I wanted to be. The dude who was just like, I don't, I don't care how many people see it. I need to hold it. Yeah. Like, and I can't hold it in my head and heart anymore. I got to hold it here, man. Like, uh, y'all seen Birdman, of course, by yes, this point. I haven't yet. Yeah, it's awesome. Birdman is a wonderful movie, but what it doesn't, uh, of course, like the series of single takes is spellbinding filmmaking. But, 
I don't think I've ever seen a movie that so portrays the inner voice so perfectly. Mm-hmm. The inner voice is some people hear and some people don't. Like the, uh, they talk about that fucking uh, voice in that Muppet song, even the Rainbow Connection, where he's like, "Have you been half asleep and have you heard voices?" I've heard them calling my name. It's dippy little line, but it's so fucking true. Those of us who want to join the circus hear something that other people don't, and that voice can drive you fucking far. You know, it it will make you chase fucking dreams. It'll make you push whimsy into reality and stuff like that. But it is the, the flip side to that voice. It's a double-edged sword. It is fucking relentless. Like, you never get to a place where you're like, ah, I have achieved everything I wanted to and I am done. Yeah. The voice doesn't let you stop. And that movie, I was watching that movie and it was creepy because I was like, oh my God. Like, it's never as like his voice, his inner voice was just like, we're a fucking God. It's never quite that. <laughs> that was awesome. It was, it was tremendous. But that voice was familiar to me where I'm like, oh my God, I've had that fucking voice telling me to not stop and pushing yep. me. And that got me to where I am. But it also fucking keeps you from ever being satisfied in that, you know, in that first world fucking way. It keeps you going like, well, maybe I'll do something else. Maybe I'll diversify. Maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'll try this. But that 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 voice is a real thing, man. Like it's it's something that anybody that wants to stand in front of people and do something. Somebody who's not content to just live a normal life like my parents lived and right. shit like that. Well, that's the thing. Exists and drove you to the point. You all have it. You Whenever have I go it. back to Chicago, this and my friends will be like, "Oh, cool! Like, you know, they're in the suburbs and they have their jobs and their families they love." And like, and like, have you watched? And they'll list off a million TV shows, and I'm like, "No." And I'm like, "You guys don't come home and make YouTube channels. Right. <laughs> go and go do conversations yeah. at bars with your friends and film those and put yeah. those up." Think, and to- you know, you were, you were talking earlier about how Clerks was. It was mostly because of you. Like, you became the personality behind that, and they pushed you out there for it. It was an adorable story. It was like, they made that movie where that fucking, where he works. Yeah. And he still works <laughs> Which there. Which genius, by the way. Kudos to that for thinking of that. Um, that was actually, that was just honestly not even like um, calculated. Because for me, the backstory, the best backstory in the world had been told. Robert Rodriguez made a movie for $7,000. Mm-hmm. And he fucking went through medical experiments to do it. <laughs> like, and what was our story? Our movie cost Twenty-seven five seventy-five. That seemed ridiculous compared to the budget of El yeah. Mariachi, and I didn't sell my body to science, <laughs> so I figured like our, the movie was actually going to have to stand there by itself. I didn't have a cool, clever backstory. They found it. The press found it, and, or created it, or they started writing about it up at Sundance when Clerks got bought. When they first started, you know, I saw this movie and I met the fucking dude and blah blah blah. And they were like, well, wow, this festival could change your life. It was early in the festival, so nothing had happened yet. But they were like, you know, what What are you going to do when it's over? And I was like, well, I have to be back at Quick Stop on Monday <laughs> to work. And, like, I wasn't being ironic. It's just like this, like, this we had shown, work, yeah, yeah, like, I was fucking like, we had shown the movie to every distributor who could potentially pick it up in advance of Sundance. All of them passed. So we were just going to Sundance. There was no like, we're going to get fucking rich. And this is before they made big deals there and shit like that. In fact, our year was the first year anyone ever sold a film at the festival. Normally it was done before or after the festival and stuff. There was none of this bidding frenzy stuff. So going into it, I was just like playing at the festival. It's its own reward. And I couldn't like, I never thought people would give a shit. Like, right. we had no backstory. If anything, I thought the press would be like, 
$27,000. Do you know fucking El Mariachi only costs $7,000? <laughs> and there was a car chase. He's got money to burn. Yeah. Like, what, what's your problem? Where'd you spend the money? That's what I thought they'd say. Um, but the backstory became people going like, oh, he actually works in that convenience store. And he's going back to work at the convenience right, store. Right. And that's, and that's what the cool, the most powerful part of it was, right? It was that, A, I mean, I think uh, unanimously Clerks is a very entertaining film. It's beautiful. Hilariously written. It's it like a resonate. punk rock song. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. like you can't judge it like like uh, like a normal piece of music because you're like, it does something to you. Right. It's primal and it's yep. raw and it's by hook or by crook, by any means necessary. And because of that, you root for it. I think that's absolutely correct. I think also, uh, you know, sort of part of the reason why it's so important, part of the reason why you're so influential, is because you showed everyone that if you just take that first step, if yes. you take that leap and that risk. That maybe, just maybe, good things will come, and if you don't, nothing's going to happen. Right? I mean, I, I didn't even create nothing ventured, nothing game, but that's exactly what it is. It's true. like you can either, I mean, the, the, Tusk was a perfect example. Either it could have died as a fun podcast we all recorded, and some people will argue till the end of time it should have fucking died. <laughs> but for me, I was like, I really want to see this fucking. Movie. It's worth and, it for that frame, <laughs> that alone, just to get there. Yeah. But I was like, I, I want to see it. Nobody else is going to fucking make this movie, and that was the same way I felt about Clerks. I wanted to see Clerks, but nobody was ever going to make Clerks. Nobody was going to make a movie where people. Talked about Star Wars and mm-hmm. pussy and shit like yeah. that, like or in hockey. That particular bouillabaisse, base, like if I wanted to see it, I had a mind snap years ago. Where I was like, if I don't fucking, if you want to see a movie about the shit you and your friends talk about, nobody's ever gonna fucking make that movie. Just make it yourself. And so I was like, all right, and and then that kicked off my career. So years later with Tusk, same thing. Where it's like, man, I want to see that fucking movie. Nobody's gonna make that movie. But the thing that made me want to make that movie more than anything else, because I hadn't made a movie in like three years and shit, and I was content to like just tour and podcast, do TV or whatever. But I'd seen reaction on Twitter and Facebook of some cats going like, is that it? They heard the podcast. And by the end of the podcast, I'd talk myself into making a movie and, and stuff. And the, the, uh, th- they said, like, there were a few people react like this. Is that allowed? All, you, you guys just talked about the stupid meme and then you said, oh, we could end it like Iron Man, where a bigger suit comes out at the end. And then you said, that's a movie. <laughs> like, does that count? Is that that's allowed? That's the creative process. <laughs> and that, that's what I loved. Like, so rarely do you have a fucking microphone or a camera on the moment of conception, you know, unless it's fucking home porn. But you never have that fucking, it's never recorded, <laughs> bing, that idea moment or something. And so many people had heard it. And they were like, okay, these two, meaning me and Scott Mosier, they work in the film industry for a few years. Now they're, you know, for better or for worse, you got to consider them fucking professionals or whatever. <laughs> and they just sat there and said, fucking walrus, end of Iron Man equals movie. And they're off and running. And there was some, there was one that was like, is that allowed? As if there were rules. And so I was like, fuck, no, there's a bunch of people out there don't know how to do that one thing. Take that first fucking step. But that's step. the thing, right? And, that's, and, and when you were, and I'm not saying working for a corporation is bad. I'm not saying not at quit all. your job and go out there and just No, do it's awesome. But corporations have rules because mm. they have to, because they are organizations that have to, that have to put rules forth in order to you know, succeed. You get in that mindset of, I have to, in order to do this, I have to get my boss to approve it. He has to get his boss to approve it. Let's play the strategy game. You forget sometimes. IGN is different. IGN, obviously, we do some really creative stuff. But there is a lot of that, fun. a little bit of levels there. Uh, but you, normal people do forget that they have it in them to do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. And, and now is the time to do it. Nobody can stop. And now is the best time to do it because now there are more uh, ways to distribute whatever content you're creating 
than ever before. Right. It's you all free. They reach just take people half. in just different countries. Think about that. Yeah. Like who who aren't fucking local, but still fine. It's no different than when I was like, I'm gonna make this movie and see how many people think like I do. Mm-hmm. The internet just gives you a chance to do that, like with anything, like instantaneously. And instantaneously. Yeah. But some cats just don't know how to take the first step. And part of making Tusk was like, let me open source the movie. They could see like this was the idea, and let me show them like fucking you can do this. Like you can take a stupid idea with your friends. And make it for real. Like, and you know, some cats were like, well, yeah, of course you can because you make movies for a living. But I had stopped and salted the earth of my career and been like, fuck everybody. <laughs> you, you so, I'm never coming back. Exactly. I was like, so long. Thanks for all the fish. And then I was like, wait, I want more fish. And so, you know, I had to come back into the room and shit. So I felt like if I could show the cats who give a fuck, who listen to the podcast or whatever, who the people that made that statement, which I was profoundly moved by, because I take for granted, as I, th- I think a lot of us do, the self-starting ability. Like you're going like, oh, this is what I want to do. And so you do it and stuff. Some people are like, oh, I would love to do that. But I don't even, how do you begin? How yeah. does that fucking, yeah. what do you do? How do you write a script? Like they just don't know. And there's an order of things or fucking what's allowed or blah, blah, blah. So I was like, let me just show them like, this is how you do it. They heard the moment of the idea, the conception of the idea, take it all the way through to fucking them watching it on home video and shit. And show them this is how you do it. And you could take something stupid that maybe should never been made. An idea of, you know, a guy turns another guy into a wall or something. <laughs> but with enough diligence and, and, and requiring a first step and then a bunch of steps after that, you can accomplish and right. you can achieve. And, you know, it's like whether or not peop- all people love it, shit, man, that's just scenery and greenery or to some respect. That's just ego. You're like, you would love everyone to love your idea. Fuck it. The fact that you get to make your idea and express yourself and support yourself by doing that, you've won the game a thousand times over. Everything after that is just fucking gravy. And sometimes the gravy runs thick and fucking runny all over the joint. And you could even throw it out there so much. And sometimes it's just a little dollop where you're like, can I have more? And they're like, fuck no. (laughs) Glad you got that much and shit. Salt that shit. And that's it. But taking that first step, dude, that's it. And some cats don't know how to do it, man. That's why it's important when you do what you do. You're just like you say, everything you do is with a family, with this audience that you yeah. built that's kind of a family. They're all listening, being entertained, number one, but they're also looking for the special sauce that y'all got, the secret code that allows you to be so bold to chase your fucking dreams as well. Sure. So you're responsible for launching a bunch of other ships. It's exciting, man, when you do stuff like that. We live in this wonderful first world where, like, these are our big concerns. How do I express myself for a living? Not like, how do I stay alive? You yeah, know, right. Where do I, I find killed? food? Yes. <laughs> how do I eat and stuff like that? God, have you, have you ever stopped to actually consider how many careers you've inspired? Um, no. But well, you, no, you but I mean, now. but then I always think about Richard Linklater because I'm like, yeah. well, he inspired me and fucking yeah. it, it's all like it trickles down. Does right? it, but it doesn't blow your mind that people are in film school right now and go, I want to be Kevin Smith. I never think about that. Like I always like I, I'm one of those people that I always lean or assume the negative. That's how I've conducted most of my affairs. That's how I've lived my whole life. And I think that's kept me somewhat grounded and not like I've every once in a while I see somebody on the online go he's pretentious with his head up his own ass I'm like you know what man I'll take a lot of shit you can call me a lot of things but like one thing I know is I'm not pretentious and I do not have my head up my ass 
I am always checking everything I say. So I'll say something and two sentences later be like, but I'm an asshole, so fucking disregard it and shit. I don't believe my opinion really counts for much. And that's how I, you know, some people are ir- irritated by that. After you listen to a lot of podcasts, that do like, fuck, dude, you, you say something and then you cut yourself down right over. That's how I survive in this world. So because of that, I never think like, oh, there's somebody out there that wants to like, be me i just think they look at what i did and be like well that fucking chimp can do it why can't i and that's you know that that makes more sense to me i'll I'll, you know maybe when i get close to the end of all this and shit like if i'm lucky enough to have a deathbed as opposed to like i'm in my car and i got fucking struck by lightning or some such shit damn that's double bad you know what i'm saying (laughs) you threw a curve to me i thought it was gonna be an accident it's a lightning strike to the car you thought a truck was coming (laughs) Shang, i gave my life but if I'm lucky enough to like have a deathbed, then I can maybe sit there and go like and, and look back at the long tail. But I find it's dangerous to you know to kind of navel gaze. Yeah. Oh yeah. fuck. Because if I did, I'm like I say this with no hint of irony. I'm the world's biggest Kevin Smith fan. So if I really start fanning out on Kevin Smith and just like diving into, a lot of people go like you know fucking you are the big Kevin Smith. All you talk about is clerks. Not really. I've done a bunch of things. But if I really started fucking like gazing at my own navel, yeah. oh, I'd lose time going like, fucking I know who I am and I know where I came from and doing what I've done is tantamount to fucking becoming an astronaut <laughs> in my world. It's just so fucking unlikely that the dominoes fell the way they would. And so because of that, man, I, I tend to always keep myself in check and I always like... I never think like people want to be me. I think they want to do what I do. And I encourage that all the time. It's particularly with the podcast. Cause that's easy for years. I've been telling people go make a movie, but I always say the last thing under my breath, which is like, it's expensive. <laughs> Podcasting is so much easier to be like, go record a podcast. There's no, caveat. put down your phone, yeah. Yeah. turn on your voice memo app and go start right? fucking talking. Yeah. To, yeah. You're already talking. Yeah. Just put a fucking mic on it. Cause yeah. it's all content to somebody. Sure. Like, you know, somebody out there, it's doing a podcast that is just about, Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. Fuck the other three. It's just fucking Raphael. Yeah, right. shit. There's no one doing a podcast just about Raphael. I'm pretty sure that's Rob Paulson's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Talking tunes. Well, when I recorded this episode, it's Raphael. <laughs> Colin, what's your topic? I guess this will be... I mean, this seems kind of pertinent considering some of the things we've been talking about, but because um, we were talking about you know clerks and the internet age, we talk about you know consuming content on the internet, we're talking about the thing we're doing on Kind of Funny and um, so I'm kind of curious, you know, and, we, and this can be kind of a lightning round kind of thing, but just what the internet, there's no you, such how, thing I, as a lightning round yo, when they, I'm involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the slowest us, lightning with, ever with us either. Yeah, Colin usually <laughs> likes to lead. He's like, this will be a short topic. And then it's 45 minutes of us <laughs> talking about whatever. Um, how long do you think today you could go without the internet? And oh, could, what a great and, question. And could you conceivably think of a life today where you would never use the internet? Oh, Jesus. That's, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying before about being Kevin Smith professionally. The internet is just a part of that. Yeah. And if I'm disconnected from the internet, then I'm not being Kevin Smith professionally. You're fading away. And how right? the fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. am I earning a living and am I relevant? It's nuts. Like, there is no disengagement. So, I, I mean... If I were to step away from the internet, it would be almost stepping away from the career. Even when I walked away from filmmaking, I was—I didn't walk away from the internet. In fact, that was how we sold tickets to live events and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, it would be for me to unplug 
would be like shutting down the career and and me going native and like hey I'm just gonna go fucking live the way people eat. like what was that movie The Village I'm gonna fucking do this shit like The Village just go live out in the forest totally Enjoy and it. and not tell the kids that we live on an animal preserve <laughs> um, just like that movie <laughs> but I I uh, it would be difficult for, for me to do it professionally personally. It would also be difficult because every morning I wake up and before I launch into the business of, you know, fucking being Kevin Smith, I try to do human things and I read the news all the time. And that's my favorite thing in the world to do when I wake up. Just sit there, smoke a joint, read the news. The only way to get through the news is to smoke a oh, joint yeah. because it's fucking it's not news unless it's fucking horrifying. And so it's important to keep your head straight about what's going on in the world. Stops you from being a spoiled child. Is particularly in this industry, it really tends to like baby person and shit. And when it's tough to be like, I didn't fucking get what I want. When you're like, a school in Pakistan was invaded and a bunch of kids were fucking shot because because they wanted to get a fucking education by a bunch of fucking Taliban people. So you know it's important to fucking consume that in the morning. And I I guess I could do that with a newspaper. Like my father used to do that in the morning. Yeah, right, you put on your suit, you get on the train, and you're just rocking back and forth reading. Totally. <laughs> but I I mean I I don't I think I you know I I don't. It's not that I don't trust TV, but TV's not nearly as fast as the internet is, and I could get updated information. Oh, yeah. Like 15 minutes. The story posted 15 minutes ago. So um, for me to step away, dude, I'd, I'd really, it would have to be me cutting the cord and being like, I'm, I'm, I'm reverting to a way of life that I enjoyed or didn't enjoy uh, circa 1993. Like, not even, let's say 1995, late 95 is when the internet entered my life. And you want to talk about, like, it's almost like my relationship with driving. From the moment I've started driving, I've never stopped driving. And, you know, if I want to get places, that's how you fucking do it. Same thing with the internet. From the moment it's entered my life, it has never stopped. And and then it became so much a part of what I do professionally, sure. too. And, and I don't have regrets, but, like, if I can do it over or something like that, I would be more careful about that, about keeping maybe a little bit more for myself. But I don't know how else to do this except, like, like personally and fucking go flat out. Like, the movies... I don't, I, I, you know, Tusk is obviously not a personal film. I tried at one point to like joke around. People were like, you know, what's this movie about? I'm like, well, it's kind of like a metaphor for working with Bruce Willis. But that was made <laughs> up. Like, it was just a joke. Like, that wasn't true. So, you know, for me, Tusk is like, I'm at a point in my career where I ran out of the personal things to talk about. So I'm like, either I stop doing it or I just start making shit up. And I thought, I started thinking about like some of my favorite filmmakers like David Lynch and David Cronenberg. And they make weird art. You know what I'm saying? Like, happy people don't make great art, you know, unfortunately. I, that's what I found personally to be the case. But they can make weird art. And David Lynch seems very happy. And David Cronenberg seems very happy. And the Coen brothers seem very happy making their weird art. And not a one of them, you ever look at their movies and go, I bet that happened to them in high school. You know what I'm saying? It's not like David Cronenberg was like, The Fly, this was my college girlfriend. You know, it's not. It's, it's just they made shit up. And so I got to a place where I'm like, maybe I could just make shit up and the internet feeds that in the case of tusk it fed it directly like i had my audience go like yeah fucking do that and you know some people who hate tusk would argue like maybe you should unplug from the fucking internet and stop making shit like tusk but 
I, you know, I don't know any, I, I support anybody that supports me doing something creative. Now the internet, most people know is a very negative place where a lot of people support negativity and whatnot. So when you find an oasis of positivity on the internet, it's best to spend as much time there as you sure. can and, and, and get as much as you can out of it. Cause those meals are few and far between, but unplugging would be difficult. For I me. could not do it yeah. under any circumstances. I, when I got the, uh, I got the new iPhone the other day and like, it's that thing where it was disconnected. Right. And like, you have to, you know, turn it on and then replug it and recover and all that stuff. And like that 10 minute walk to the restaurant to meet my girlfriend, I was like checking my pocket and I'm like, well, <laughs> I was boring. I'll just, I can't look. And I'm like, well, do I know where this restaurant is? And I was like, I think so. But if I keep walking, like, yeah, similar thing of, of course, like our daily lives are the internet. My job has been the internet. And like, I went down uh, to LA, well, I went here to LA a couple weeks ago to shoot a show and the PA is driving me to the set. And she's like, so what do you do? Like, I, you know, I know you're on the show. And I'm like, oh, I'm an internet personality. She's like, oh, that's cool. What does that entail? And I explained it all. And she's like, cool. So like, what's the, what's the future? And I'm like, <laughs> do this forever i guess like wars no... in space yeah I mean... <laughs> uh, <laughs> robots taking over uh i think a uh, statue of liberty burned on a beach if yeah, i yeah, remember yeah. correctly You're but yeah like you know like this is what it is and this is the deal i've signed up for now like that's you but know that's not even it. it's like who knows what it is right sure. now it's the internet and that's your entree if you will but like as we've seen it leads to television it can lead to movies it could go anywhere that you want to take it or that you want to direct it. And, yeah. and that's imagine what one person could do. You got to fucking combine forces of four plus a fucking producerial force yeah, off Kevin. camera unseen <laughs> to, uh, to kind of manifest what it is you're trying to do, whether it be like right now it's this with kind of funny and whether kind of funny branches and think about this one day, maybe a year from now, maybe a couple of years from now, however long it takes, you will be working on your first feature, making a movie, a collect. Uh, something that you guys put together um, under the kind of funny banner. And you'll think about every fucking movie that you've ever seen in your life. And it won't be but a few moments here and there where you'll go like, that's fucked up. We used to watch it. Now we're doing it. But you'll be moving forward at such a fucking fast pace and hoping that nobody says, hey, wait, and we thought better of this. That you won't Wait, appreciate. Wait, we just Google search Nick Scarpino. He's not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Producer, seducer. You know. <laughs> but but you'll be moving so fast you won't have a chance to appreciate it at the moment. But you will. You'll mark it, and then later on you'll Look totally back appreciate on, it on our deathbed. Oh yeah, right for lightning striking the car. Save it for then. Save it for that moment. Yeah, for me, even like you, you nailed it with the career thing. Like, just this is what I want to do. Like mm. everything you're saying about you are Kevin Smith, and that is your job. That is all I want is to be Tim Gettys, and that be my job. Isn't that amazing. And just working towards that. And uh, But who that is and why I want to do that, even besides the career, it's the internet was such an important part of my formative years. And I'm at my age. It's that was my life. I don't know a life without the internet, really. Right. And um, it's I can't imagine. I could not do it at all. Because like, even movies and TV and all that stuff, they're not enough for me. Like I need to know what everyone else thinks about it instantly. I need to be part You're of that weird. conversation. I need to... No, I need to know every single thing going into it, reading about it, being part of the hype. Like to me, that's almost more important than the actual movie, and that's well, last I can't I, exactly. And I, I love that. It's that's kind of that. I Some people myself don't understand that. that. My wife doesn't understand that. Um, like, why like do you talking about it? And like, yes. Mm. And here's something that, like, a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, fucking uh, fuck critics and stuff. Um, I, you know, and then recently I was like, you know, I don't feel that way anymore. And then there were a bunch of cynical motherfuckers like, you don't feel that way because you got a movie coming out. That's bullshit. This is why I don't feel that way. Because after every t every episode of Mad Men, I've I've discovered this slowly over the course of like two seasons watching the show. 
the next day I would get up and as I smoked, I'm reading Google News, I would go to Slate.com uh, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's Slate or Slant. No, what's the other one? Slate and then fuck. I think it's Slate. They got two writers or three even that just sit there and talk about yep. their opinion of the show. And I would gravitate toward these because I realize I'm not smart enough to process Mad Men. My wife's very good at it, too. I'll turn to her afterwards and be like, what the fuck happened? And she'll explain. I'll be like, wow, that's fucking like I learned early on. She's a wonderful resource like that. We watched Mulholland Drive. And I was like, the fuck happened? And she (laughs) explained it. But she explained it. She crystallized it where I was like, holy fuck, man. Like, are you fucking David Lynch on the side? How do you know that? And she's good at that. She's really good. She'd be an excellent story editor, man. She understands. She can call shit, watch TV like this is going to happen, blah, blah, blah. So, fuck, I got to hit a pothole. What, what was I on again? Um, oh, so I'm looking at... Thank you. You, you fucking listen. <laughs> Colin so Colin was right there, man. That was awesome. Um, so, I've, I've after, like, I don't know, weeks and weeks of fucking reading other people's thoughts on Mad Men, I was like, oh, this is, like, what film criticism is sure. for other people. As the filmmaker, it's difficult because so much of the conversation is about your work. And, of course, you want everybody to like what you do and shit. And and there's a lot of blood in the water and fucking, like, film criticism isn't really film criticism. Some of it's real, like, just fucking stab it till it's dead. And it's fun to make fun Here's a funny double entendre I make. Exactly. And and I get it. Fucking, like, that's that's the way the game's played now. It's totally fine. But, you know, it was, um, I, I don't know. For me, it, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, the critical thing. Every talking together. I, I sat there going, oh, I get it. Like, this is important to me in some weird fucking way. I have to know what these utter strangers... And then the people in the comments yep. thread, well, if they all agree that right. this show it's we validating. watched last it night... It goes back to, to that degree. community thing we're talking about. And that's one of the things we were so excited about when you know leaving and now going to do on Kind of Funny and Kind of Funny Games, these products where we're, we were very clear at the front, like, we aren't reviewing things. Yeah, we're not. Right, we're See, right. and that's the problem I think you have with, with critics is that there's a difference between a critic and someone who's just an enthusiast or someone who's just really likes something and wants to evangelize it a little bit. Right, right. right. And that's, I think, you probably, because you're a pretty positive guy, gravitate a little bit more toward the guys that aren't like five out of five or two out of five. It's like, that's not what it's about. Like, I love Jay Hoberman in in the Village Voice. There was a a guy named Jay Hoberman who uh, I didn't even know for years whether it was guy or woman. Before I made a flick, ever, um, he was the guy that wrote the review of Slacker that made me want to go see Slacker. Mm-hmm. And when you read a Jay Hoberman review in The Village Voice, you had no idea whether he liked the movie or not. It was almost a fucking, just an essay about the movie. And it wasn't an essay of like, I walked in and bought popcorn. It was about the movie <laughs> itself, but it wasn't like thumbs up, thumbs down, stars, nothing like that. It was just a really interesting insight into the fucking movie that would then make you want to go see the movie. They don't really do that so much anymore. Some places still do, but it's much easier, you know, and it's clickbait to, you know, fucking have a headline that's like, this movie sucks your mother's cock or something like that. And you're like, holy shit, I want to read this fucking Mom's review. Cock. Yeah, who do they know? <laughs> She's so fucking hung. So, you know, it's, it, it's, but I get it. Like, I'm not like, I, I certainly am not trying to be like Bill Murray at the end of Scrooge where I'm like, I get it now. I'm ready. But I understand, like, after reading all those articles and just because I'm like, I got to know. Am I, am I alone or right. did they get something? Yeah. Like that's what it's all about. It's community. It's about finding a tribe. It's about the same reason that I like fucking made clerks. Like, let me see if anybody else understands. Yeah. Same fucking thing here. Motherfuckers writing about a TV show in depth. One episode. 
And then in, I think in Slate, it's like three people write three separate pieces and all comment on each other's. But that's them throwing a message out there. Like, that's the exact same thing that I do. It's just the other side of the playing field, so to speak. I think that's so important, too. Like, when, when you go to a movie theater, like, the, the instant you leave that theater, you're just talking about the movie. Yeah. You're talking about what we just saw, that's how you feel about That's the best part. That's it. the it, best part. And no matter how bad the movie was, you might just say, oh, I hate it. I hate it. But here's why I hate it. And that's like a, you get an actual oh, see, thoughts put into that and all of that. And I feel like a lot of what we're doing, what we want to do is have that movie conversation but about video games, about comics, about um, TV shows and all that stuff to to give the the community and the people that avenue to have that conversation whenever they want. Right, right, oh, right. Man, my wife likes seeing movies by herself and I can't fathom it. I cannot fathom walking out of a movie theater and not being able to turn to a good friend of mine and say, what did you think? Or like, wasn't that the coolest thing you've ever seen or the biggest piece of shit or whatever, you know? That's just, to me, part of the process. It doesn't stop when the credits start rolling. Dude, there's a whole industry um, of people that sit around and talk about sporting events while it's going on, <laughs> yeah. after it's over, in advance of it happening. There's a whole industry where people are like, I'm putting together my own version of the draft, like, and this is my happy place in life and shit like that. Sports, when I was growing up, was treated so seriously, like almost that is as if it was real as if it was important like being a doctor or you know fucking somebody saving lives somewhere like this is a real credible fucking profession shit and it absolutely is a credible profession and whatnot but it was treated like religion and 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 a very realistic thing whereas movies were like oh yeah i go to the movies on the weekends and shit now we live in an age where like movies and pop culture comic books are on equal level with sporting events like you know when i call it Equal level, very much with, so. Your hockey, well, I mean hockey. Fuck, it's you know. I look. I nobody loves hockey more than me. Yeah, but you're like, in a, you're in a weird company to complain about my passion for hockey. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hockey has that. You know, they don't have the numbers of baseball and fucking football, but they they are all heart. Like one of the last great sporting organizations that is all heart. Like even though salaries are you know still kind of up there and whatnot, uh, and, and but not nearly as aggregate as they are with other s- sports, you still see that they do it because there's love for the game. It's not just cynical like this is our business and blah blah blah. It's it's still something that's I don't know pure. The Hockey fact that there's still goons there. The fact that there's still goons means a bit a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like heart is still in that game. And I'm certainly not saying baseball has no heart, football has no heart. Whatever they that look, it's very difficult those games, particularly fucking football and shit. It looks hurdy as fuck. <laughs> but um, it, there's something about hockey which looks fucking way more hurdy than any of those sports. That is so goddamn pure. Even though it's a business and shit, it's there's still something at the heart of it that is heart, not just a fucking game. That dog loves you, man. Yeah, uh, you know, fell asleep on your lap. I, I, I'm used Never to it with happens. my Portillo. Oh, I, every time we do a podcast, my wiener dog's in my lap, so I'm totally. She senses used to it. it. She's yeah. just like, "This is my bed." <laughs> but it's weird. We live in a wonderful age where, like, you can celebrate movies with chatter as much as they celebrate sports. It's just as valid. Sports people used to look down on sports enthusiasts looked used to look down on fucking movie enthusiasts, but now we have just as much credibility and just as much lobby, and you can go just as far out of having a conversation about some fucking thing you just watched than you can fucking talking about a sporting event that yeah. you just watched. Man, people make a living. Chris Hardwick makes a living out of fucking talking about a show we all just watched. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, like that's where we are now. That's it's awesome. all the same circle of what we've been talking about on this show in 
being part of that community and why mall rats worked for me, right? Because nobody was talking to me about that. I was the comic nerd of my group of friends, which was isolating. And you know, you know what I mean? When the internet came yes. around, I was in those fucking AOL chat rooms and message boards and like, you know what I mean? Like, let's Man, talk about too. it. Let's, let's fucking talk about this new issue of Superboy or Young Justice or whatever. I want right. to have a conversation. And now, you know, you mentioned a second ago, like the, there's a lot of negativity on the internet, right? Always. And we've done on this show before a topic of like, would the world be better without the internet or all these different things? And like, I stick with it that like even though the negativity is what we put out a lot of times or people put out the positivity of being able to sit there and just hashtag anything you fucking care about and you will find people talking about it and be able to get part of that community and not feel so alone that's what's awesome pump your passions and and kind of uh stand there going this is what i love this is who i am yeah in terms of the negativity you know look the anonymity affords people that kind of negativity yeah. and i don't like you know I'm, I'm no expert and they'll maybe study it down the road but feels even the internet shitty fucking people on the internet man feels like a fucking valve of some sorts where i'm i'm glad that exists sure. for them to go and be like fuck life and fuck you i tweeted and instagrammed a, a shot of some dude's twitter stream today where it was like some fucking like heinous <laughs> fucking fuck Kevin Smith, and then right after it was like you know down with racism. Yeah. We need more peace. Oh man, this is like we this is we could go another. That's the internet hour about this. My favorite is when somebody tweeted, "Hey, you're a fat cunt, and I hate you." And then you go, click through their profile; <laughs> it's a picture of them and their kid, and it's like Bible verse, whatever, yes. whatever. It's like yes. come on, you yes. don't see this the hypocrisy in this. But, but yeah, you need that. You yeah. need that. That's where they blow off their steam for whatever reason. It made that motherfucker's day to be able to be. Like, I'm going to say this and he might fucking hear it. Yeah. And I'm going to get this off my well, chest and he's not better than me. Whatever the fuck. Maybe it's good that that exists. Well, and the most time maybe otherwise we might have a world full of people sure. on top of Bell Tower. It feels like whenever I respond to somebody fuckers. who hates me and they're like, oh, well, hey, that's – and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was having such a bad day. Well, well, yo, I mean, they immediately back down because like – I wish, I wish that like, was always the case. Yeah, <laughs> the Some people are just like, no, fuck you straight to hell. And you're like, all right, all right. Fair <laughs> well, enough. Well, I thought we were situation. here. My I'll bad. talk to you later on that but I'll take it, man. Like, I'll take the negativity because, like, it's up to you to turn out the positivity. Yeah. Like, you know, if you see an ocean of negativity out there, yeah, maybe you're fucking spitting at that ocean at a wave that's coming at you. But go the other way. Be the change. You know, and be the change. And also try to be funny in the process. Like, motherfuckers kind attack me and I'm trying to work kind of funny. <laughs> ah, see what we did there, Kevin. As, <laughs> absolutely well done. Well branded. <laughs> Kevin. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. See, I won't end it. Show. I'll just keep. Well, we're still doing another one, right? We're we're going, rolling into going. one of your shows, correct? I just assume that this is we'll split this one in two. Oh, we're gonna split it in two. All right, cool. You put your bumper on the front of it, then you let people know where to go. I for will. The other Do half. you guys have to go any place or no? No, we're, we're fucking. So we can just keep rolling. Yeah, sure. Oh, so we're splitting it here. I, we could let's use this as a split point. Perfect, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to move into one of Kevin Smith's podcasts. Which one are we doing? We'll do. Uh, let me see. With you, you guys branching off, and, and uh, let's do Smodcast. We're gonna do Smodcast. So you can go find that obviously on the Kevin Smith Podcast Network. They're all over the place. Mm. You get them on the iTunes. You get them on the website. Mm. Follow you on Twitter. Do you Instagram? You Instagram. Go on Instagram. You won't get podcasts there, but you'll see pretty pictures. Yes, and then the sooner if you somewhere they'll lead you to me and the podcast. Exactly. Podcast.com is always No, nah, that's too easy. Yeah. You got to get all the other <laughs> There's a like far more circuitous. Uh, for us, ladies and gentlemen, you know this is the Game Over Greggy Show. Each and every week, four sometimes five best friends gather on this table. Each bring a random topic of discussion for your amusement. If you like that, you can get all the shows early over on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. Or if you don't have the money or don't think we're worth it, we totally understand. You can go to youtube.com slash 
kind of funny get the topics broken out one by one day by day and remember we just quit our jobs and really need your support so go to the new channel youtube.com slash kind of funny games support us there subscribe there watch all the new content we have a cool twitch stream we're doing a million things until next time it's been a pleasure to serve you